Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn move related show on the planet Earth, the John Campion Show. Coming from right here on my YouTube channel, I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. It is Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen. We're glad to have you here with us, and also glad to have here with us is one Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how are you doing today, sir? John, I'm euphoric, but I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Ooh, I like Whoa, the pulling hey. up from that there, there. Also joining us today, because it is Wednesday, you may have just seen her on the newest episode of The Rookie with Nathan Fillion. We are joined here today by Aaron Cummings and Joey Bishop. Hi, and we are actually wearing our little Squid Game outfits in honor of the historic SAG Award wins from uh, the winner of Squid Game, number four, five, six. And then, of course, <laughs> um, I decided for my shirt that I was going to get the super annoying loud woman who everybody <laughs> wants to die soon because you know what? I know my wheelhouse. Know thyself. <laughs> know thyself, kids. And sitting beside her, of course, joining us fresh off her viewing of The Batman, the Batman. is Chris Carr. Chris, how are you doing? I'm good. Man, we stayed out so late past my bedtime. I'm a geriatric, and I like to go to sleep at 9, and it was worth it. It's a, it's a long movie. It's a long movie. <laughs> Did you get home by 10.30? I think so. Did we get out of the theater by 1030? No, yeah. we stayed and talked to people. So I think we I was did. home around 11. Are you guys going to tell me when I'm supposed to take my potty break? Because you know that I can't yes. go more than an hour and a half without yes. my potty I break. think I picked, I had to do a bathroom break myself and I think I picked the perfect time, but we'll talk about that great. a little hours, bit later. And it is magical. great to have you guys here today. Here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it up into two parts as always. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. The thing is, I've already had to turn the Super Chats off. Uh, wow. Before uh, you guys already filled up the entire quota of Super Chats, I've had to turn them off. But normally on the John Campia Show, if you want to get in a live comment or question for us to read after the main topics, you can just use the Super Chat feature over there in the live chat. But you guys filled them up really damn fast. Thank and you. And so we've had to turn them off already. So thank you to everybody who did that. All right, guys. With that down out of the way, oh, by the way, I want to let you guys know, that uh, our latest episode of Movie Club, uh, where we talked about Indiana Jones, is now up and on the channel. You guys can go and check that out. And uh, yeah, we're so happy for all you guys who joined us live for Movie Club as well. And don't forget, we got an up another episode of Movie Club coming this coming week to commemorate the triumphant launch of the Batman. We're going to be talking about The Dark Knight. Now, we already, we already did Batman Begins last week, and now we're going to do The Dark Knight right after Batman the Batman opens in theaters. We guys hope you will join us for that. Okay, guys. Without all down, let's talk about an off the top here before we get into our main topic, shall we? And that off the top is this. One of the movies going into 2021 that honestly I was not excited for, despite the fact that it was being made by, in my estimation, the greatest filmmaker of all time, Steven Spielberg. I'm not a West Side Story fan. And I really saw Steven Spielberg doing West Side Story as just kind of some personal checklist thing that he wanted to do. And I and I I was never all that big on the original, despite the fact that I can appreciate a good musical. I was never all that excited for it. Didn't think it was a great idea to do it. Then I went to go see it. To me, it is not not by miles, but it is clearly to me the best film of 2021. I mean, I I adored this movie so much. Uh, Ariana DeBose was a revelation. We're going to be talking a lot about her today. Mm -hmm. But I absolutely loved it. Now, for those of you who maybe didn't have a chance to see it in theaters, 
And according to the box office, a lot of you didn't go to see it in theaters. Because <laughs> despite being the best film of the year, did not do great at the box office. But for those of you who didn't have a chance to see it, there is good news. Uh, it, I believe today it has dropped on Disney+. Plus. So West Side Story, again, the movie My Estimation, which is the best film of the year, is now out there on that. And again, this was, I remember when we saw this, when we walked out of the theaters, guys, the first thing Anne said, she looked at me and she said, that was a master class in filmmaking. Wow. And like, and that's exactly what I thought. Every creative decision, every line of dialogue, every beat, every cadence of pace, every angle and shot and everything, the lighting, the costume, the the movie in and, in and of itself is a pure master class in filmmaking. I love this thing to death. Rob, you were the one trying to tell me that I should be excited for West Side Story, and I poo-pooed and hummed and hawed at you. You were right, 100%. Drop it on Disney+. Plus. Is this one you would encourage people to watch? Well, I just want to point out that I usually am correct. <laughs> no, but, but I, I look, I would say this. You know, I've wanted, I wanted to see... see I wanted to see Steven Spielberg direct a musical uh, when I first saw 1941, and there's a, a big dance shindig number in that. And then, of course, the opening of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, the Anything Goes number. And, uh, you know, he never did. And would I have preferred he made an original musical? Sure. But I thought this movie, from a filmmaking point of view, is just a joyous thing to behold like the way he restaged the america number i want to live in america it, it's stunning i mean it's it's watching one of the great directors in full command of the medium just go to town and uh i thought it was a just an incredibly beautiful movie there's so much about this movie that i liked and um i think everybody should take a look at it and i hope maybe people that are off put by musicals or the idea of musicals might give this a shot because I think uh, it's very compelling viewing. Chris, now I remember you were late to the party on West Side Story. Yes. Did you get a chance to finally watch West I Side? I finally did so I could do my final votes for the SAG Awards. That, that's right. Um, and gosh, it was so good. Because I, I too was just like, I don't know why we're doing this. Steven, give me Tintin too. I don't want this Yeah, movie. where is that? Give me Tintin too. Um, but then I saw this and the changes they made to the story and then just everything that Spielberg did with this. You guys are so, so on the ball, on the nose here, right? Like it, it just is beautiful every frame is done so thoughtfully this is a very thoughtfully curated piece of art and it's so well done and she is just so phenomenal she oh my gosh loads on the screen i am so excited to see her just dominate film the next few years because she just has that it factor she is so magnetic to watch no wonder why she was the bullet you know like mm. she is so incredible you just can't take your eyes off her there's something so magnetic about all of her choices she explodes Ugh. with power on the screen too mm -hmm. like when she's having her conversations with i forget the boyfriend's name uh, at this point but when she's having the conversations with the boyfriend it's bernardo like, bernardo thank mm -hmm. you when that because she radiates such power that the moment bernardo says something kind of snarky before the camera even cuts to her, you already feel her character so much. You're yeah. like, oh, dude, mm, you just made a mistake. <laughs> and then they go to her and like, she just radiant. I love her so much. Again, we're going to be talking She's a lot amazing. about her today. I never had a chance to ask you, did you ever have a chance to watch West Side this year? You know what? We've been trying to keep the human alive since a lot of these movies right. have come out. And so, no, <laughs> I have human. not seen it. Um, so I'm not going to put my personal commentary because I don't have one, obviously. But what I'm hearing from you guys that is 
something that I think is true just overall for um, a film done by a director when it's a passion project. And it doesn't happen all the time, but I do see um, a through line that when a director has not only just been, it's not like he just was handed this movie and went, oh, okay, I guess I'm directing this. What am I going to do with it? But as you said, John, this is something that has been a kernel that has been growing inside of Steven Spielberg for so many years. And so, of course, for probably decades, he's had an idea of, oh, my gosh, wouldn't it be great if we did, you know, the America number like this and has had time right. to marinate it and really gr develop it in his own mind and heart. So by the time he goes to actually do it it's a fully fledged living breathing creation not something that was cobbled together you know in the year that the studio you know gave the director uh say okay this is what your next film is going to be but actually something that was a passion project and i do also love that he went to broadway to get his stars and yeah. a lot of these yeah. people mm -hmm. were not you know they, they he could have chosen I don't know, Zendaya and Tom Holland, you know, to star in this and it would have worked fine and they would have been great. But I love the fact that he said, no, let's go to Broadway. They don't have to be the biggest names now, but they will be the biggest names after this because we've also seen some musicals <laughs> that have <laughs> cast big stars that don't necessarily have what you guys are talking about, which is that magnetism mm -hmm. for someone to be able to capture, you know, a 5,000 person theater eight performances a week they have that it factor so bring that to the big screen and showcase it and make new stars and i love that steven spielberg did that here all right guys question is for you have you had a chance to see west side story yet if not good news now you can i'm telling you i personally believe it's the best film of the year whatever you guys think about it jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts okay guys with that down, let's get on to our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics on The John Campy Show? Well, it's easy. You guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. With that down, Chris, what is our first main topic today? Topic one is coming from Darren J. Wow, did you guys see the new trailer for Bullet Train? John, I know you said you saw it at CinemaCon and it looked really good, but this trailer exceeded all my expectations. Brad Pitt looks amazing in it and I had no idea Hirojoki Sanda and Andrew Koji were in it too. The dialogue was funny, the action looked super on point, and seeing Aaron Taylor Johnson gave us a taste of Craven too. Loved, loved, loved it. What did you guys think of it? <laughs> All right, thanks a lot for saying that in, Darren. And uh, you know what? Full disclosure, this was not what they showed us at CinemaCon. Yeah, I don't remember seeing this at all. No, I thought Ooh. this. I thought the stuff they showed us at CinemaCon was going to be what was going to be the I thought that was the trailer they were going to release because we've seen that happen with a couple of movies. This was totally new, mm -hmm. totally new. So I started watching it and this is better than it even looked at CinemaCon. This looks bonkers. This looks like vintage Guy Ritchie to me. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea who's directing it, to be honest with you. I, di I didn't even bother looking it up, but this looks like, it looks like, and it plays like vintage Guy Ritchie. Of course, Brad Pitt would know something about that, but this was nuts and you're right. 
The dialogue was sharp and funny. The action looks insane. And it's all of it takes place in these tight, confined little quarters. And it feels like every beat of the trailer, we're getting somebody else in this is like, oh, they're in it? Mm-hmm. Oh, they're in it? Oh, they're in it? I mean, it just, it felt like one beat after another of everybody who's in there. Uh, coming off the Eternals, uh, Brian Tyree um, uh, Henry. Absolutely amazing. You mentioned Andrew Koji, who is so great in Warrior and who's the only good thing about Snake Eyes. By the way, from Heroes, I'm a big hero, fa- uh, big hero fan. Uh, Masai Oka is showing up in there. Uh, Michael Shannon is showing up in there. Uh, Hiroyuki Sonata, who you mentioned, who just classes up the joint whenever he's in anything at all. But how cool is that Aaron Taylor Johnson pop up at the end? I mean, that was great. And I'm loving Pitt's character. Mm-hmm. Like, that line's like, dude, I don't even know you. <laughs> I mean, that is great. The, the girl on the train, Sandra Bullock is apparently in it. I'm guessing she was the operator on the other side yeah. of, it of like the it. phone. Wow. I didn't oh, even pick up on it. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Logan Lerman is in it. Zazie Beetz is in it. I mean, this just looks like bonkers, crazy, entertaining fun. That, again, to me, had the DNA of a snatch or a lock stock and something like that. And I was very bullish. Like, Aaron, you and I were both, with the preview stuff they showed us at CinemaCon a few months ago, we were both pretty bullish on it. Like, oh, this could be pretty good. this exceeds that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this looks great. What was your impressions of it? Well, honestly, I I remember there was, I mean, there were so many things that we saw at CinemaCon. It was just an avalanche of exciting uh, movie trailers and movie news. And, but this fell off my radar and I agree with you. This tra- trailer was so different that I don't. I did. It, I don't even remember what we saw at CinemaCon at this point. The director is David Leach. I believe. Oh yeah, one of the John Wick. One of the John he Wick guys. Deadpool right. Too. Deadpool yeah, two. Deadpool Atomic two. Atomic yeah. Blonde. He's been working. Which with of course Deadpool I sure because they told us that at CinemaCon. I totally forgot about it. Right. So he and he has uh, several other. He did uh, Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw. So which he, I liked. Yeah. So he he definitely and 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 it's funny that you say uh, that it has a, a a taste of Guy Ritchie a la snatch because i thought that the word choice that they chose when he said um when the guy said oh someone snatched it my brain immediately yeah. went to guy Ritchie. <laughs> so i don't think that that's an accident one of the things also that i just <gasps> i love so much in the same way that uh C- kid cuddy's day and night was just used for i'm blanking on it rob you know um um uh- chat room you guys know moon night moon night yes just like uh they brought you know they pulled up 10 plus year old uh day and night to use for that trailer and it was so beautifully placed staying alive in Japanese. the simple the simple fact that they chose that song which by the way i i heard on k earth 101 this morning on my drive here no and I, really and i would if you would why driven, are you listen to k earth 101 <laughs> <laughs> I love here. I love my golden oldies. I love it. I love it. So if you had driven past me on the highway today, you would have seen me be that person practically wrecking my car, dancing. I love that song, and to resurrect it, and to have it in Japanese, I that that right there, the music choice was brilliant. It shows that they're having fun with this. Oh, they're yeah. not taking it too seriously. And I feel like this trailer also gives us a really great taste of Tokyo. I'm assuming it's in Tokyo, otherwise I'm gonna sound like a big asshole. But it definitely gives us a big taste of Japan, those close quarters, the train, the food, everything. I, I'm really excited about this movie. Rob, you had a chance to check out the show. This is, I think, your first, because you weren't at CinemaCon. Yeah, I hadn't seen, I've been very curious think? about this movie, John. I loved it. 
I mean, you know, to me, what's really interesting is that I grew up loving, I call, call, call them B-movies, you know, action thrillers. And to see them with an all-star cast, beautiful direction, great action. Is this movie going to give me insight or am I going to fall in love with the way I love the English patient? No. Nope. Mm. But let me tell you. I'm already in line for the 4K Dolby Atmos UHD oh, yeah. Dolby Vision Blu-ray or 4K disc because, man, I'll bet you this is a thunderous example of a, of a movie that I want to play in a home theater system. My God, does this look fun. What part of it stood out to you the most, uh, the trailer? Which parts did you like the best? You know, I, I, I think I think uh, uh, I love the opening with Brad Pitt and um, Homeboy from Eternals. Right, that yeah. whole, that that whole, whole thing opening where they're sitting scene. at the table. I mean, I just, I love that. And But the whole thing did. I mean, there's one shot, they just cut to like a, some kind of a samurai dragon yeah. mask. Yeah. It's just because, dude, I, I, I have a Japanese fetish for all things Japanese die cast, Japanese science fiction, Japanese monster movies, Japanese crime thrillers, Japanese girls. I love Jap Japan. Anything, <laughs> everything Japan, bring it on. I was like, wow, I, he's on such a roll and he's not going to be a a douche about it and then you just went there <laughs> i've never dated a japanese girl ever in my life just so you know um uh, but i do like japanese alien girls like in from Mon godzilla versus monster right, zero yeah. you know the controller people those are they're great <laughs> but no i think this movie looks so much fun although i will say this you said it bring it evokes japan i love japan i felt like this entire thing looks like it's shot against green screen I mean the, the visual effects. I, I love the establishing shot of Mount Fuji, yeah. and you're seeing the trim. But I'm like, I'm like, why? You know, I love seeing Japan on film, but this, as much as I like some of the train stations, it reminded me like of Black Rain, where they shot most of it in downtown LA, and then there's some or Tokyo Drift. There's a couple of shots in Tokyo, and then the rest of it's not. I know it's expensive to go shoot there. But I'd really love to see him. I don't shot. believe for a second that they didn't shoot there. You think that they did not shoot? I, I got to find this out because it, there's no way they. They didn't might have shoot. shot some second unit stuff. Really? But, but things I, on I, a I screen. Have feeling, even say. if they did shoot in Japan, it did feel like it was shot on a sound. Screen. I mean, yeah. it, it helped. It helped the look of the film because the sure. colors popped and oh, everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was very evocative of of what I imagine because I've never gone to Japan my entire mm -hmm. life. I want to go to Japan my whole life. Chris, but, yeah. You had a chance to see the trailer? What did you think of it? Oh, I love it. This looks amazing. This guy has Snatch vibes. It's got Lucky Number 11 vibes. It's got Kick-Ass vibes. It looks like a manga come to life, which is it's super, a, super that's fun. That's exactly what it looks right? like. Right? It's so bright and poppy, which is great. It looks brutal, and I love that. You know, Brian Terry Henry can sell any kind of comedy for me. He's so good at a good deadpan, and he sells action so well. Bad Bunny is in this. <laughs> Bad Bunny showing up, showing us on WWE that he can absolutely commit to a fight and take a punch. So I'm really excited for these action sequences, too. This looks so, so fun. I'm all in. Yep. Oh, and you are right, Rob. The entire film was shot in Los Angeles. So I was wrong. Mm. Yeah, it, it had that feel to it. It, it just kind of, and th that's totally fine for me. Listen, yeah. 90% of this movie is going to be taking place Look, on a all train. movies yeah. are fake. So it's totally fine. What? Yeah. No, they're not. Yeah, all movies are fake. No. Every single movie is completely made up. No. So it's okay. It's yeah, okay. Yeah, like that fake movie Titanic. Anyway, guys, question oh, is yeah. for you. <laughs> My did you just... have a chance to see this trailer for Bullet Train? If so, what did you think about it? Did you meet your expectations? Did you 
think it was going to be great. Maybe you didn't like it at all. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? Chris, what is our second main topic today? Um, our second topic is from James Morgans. Hi, John. I was on Twitter and saw an image from Batgirl that looks like it shows the first look at Firefly. I'm sort of torn about Batgirl, to be honest. On one hand, I don't really care about the character that much and never have. On the other hand, what? having uh, Frasier and Michael Keaton in it have me uh, at least a little bit interested. I also don't know much about Firefly and who he is. What do you think of the picture? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in. And yeah, listen, I, I'm i kind of in the same boat. When they first announced that they were gonna do a Batgirl movie, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Sure, expand the universe, great. I wasn't gonna to pretend to have a lot of interest in it, but then suddenly I got plenty interested in it when they got the girl from In the Heights to star in it because she was amazing. Amazing. She's, she's kind of like DeBose did in West Side Story. So I'm like, okay, you got some of my attention here. Then they, there was the word about the stuff they were doing with Commissioner Gordon, and we found out Commissioner Gordon, who I assumed was going to be Jeffrey Wright, but it wasn't. It's going to be J.K. Simmons, Ooh. showing that this was connecting in with his Commissioner Gordon in the wider DCEU, and that was a revelation to a lot of us because I didn't think a lot of us were expecting that, so that was huge. And then we find out Brendan Fraser was joining it. Now, I have had a soft spot in my heart for Brendan Fraser ever since George of the Jungle. Oh my god. Oh, I, I what a dream boat. I unapologetically love George of the Jungle. So good. I was so good. And and uh uh Apatow's wife, um Leslie, Leslie Bibb. Leslie Bibb, who be, as far as I'm concerned, can enter into the halls of Valhalla simply for her small role in 40-year-old virgin. Uh <laughs> fucking French toast should be immortalized and put carved into stone somewhere. So that I I adored that movie. So that movie's soft place, soft place in my heart. Then he did what with honors. And I loved him in that. And, and, and he was, and of course, the Mummy movies. He was hot for a while. Then he disappeared for a while. Came back. Love him in Doom Patrol. Mm -hmm. Love him in that. And then seeing that he was going to come up in this, I thought this was pretty cool. But then they mentioned he was going to be Firefly. And they've done a couple of different iterations of Firefly. They've yeah. done Firefly in the CW world. They did Firefly. I believe it was a female version of Firefly they did in Gotham. So then it looks like they're going back to the roots. He was a former firefighter burned as a result of the actions of his old crew or something like that. You know, classic, classic comic book villain origins. Wronged, vengeance, here we go, and all this kind of stuff. And yes, apparently the first image has come out, and we take a look at him here. Let's see if I can get in on this a little bit tighter. We take a look at the character in the, in the mask. He's got kind of, there's different iterations of Firefly that they've taken bits and pieces of it and kind of brought it all into one look. So he's got the the tanks on the back, he's got the arm holster, he's got the mask and all that kind of stuff. So again, I think this is an interesting choice for them to use as their villain for Batgirl. I mean, a somewhat obscure villain for sure. a modestly obscure character. But I don't know, I like the look of it. It's it's pretty comic accurate in a lot of different ways. So I know, Rob, you had a chance to take a look at this picture. What do you think of it? I mean, it's, look, this movie, I'm, I'm curious about which direction they're gonna go in. Like I've always look, I love I love stuff like La Femme Nikita and and the uh, uh, Lucy, like we were talking about the other day. Uh, Atomic Blonde was just brought up. I I'm a huge fan of female assassin, kick-ass superhero characters. 
So I love that they're going to go this way. But what this movie is actually about, I don't really know. I'll have to wait and see. Like, I don't know which direction. Are they, are they setting her up to become Oracle? I would hope not. I would like to see a Batgirl kick ass for a while. Mm -hmm. You know, I loved Yvonne Craig when I was a kid. I had a crush on Nichelle Nichols as Ahura and Yvonne mm. Craig in, ba in Batman. <laughs> Those are my two first celebrity superhero fantasy character crushes. So I have a, I love Batgirl. I think it's safe to say we're probably a little ways off from an Oracle. Like, I don't uh, think I this think so movie's going to end with uh, uh, yes. the credits before the credits roll, a knock on the door. Oh, who's there? And she opens the door and there's Joker. Yeah, we're not going to get spine. a killing joke anytime yeah. soon. But I no, I, 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 I'm excited, you know, Michael Keaton coming back to play Batman again. Because, you know, John, the road to the Batman Beyond movie is coming. Yes. <laughs> the series is coming. Yes. This is just one more notch. Get on one board, more rung on the ladder. Let it Nobody happen. cares. Oh. Everyone does. Everyone does. Everyone in these small little circles, not seeing the world beyond their borders. I, but again, uh, let me clarify again. Once Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse happened, I, I, I think fivefold the chances for a Batman Beyond increased fivefold. So, so we'll see. You I'm gonna bring my know. Batman Beyond Hot Toy and put it on the desk over there just because. Is there a Batman Beyond Hot Toy? Oh yeah. Oh, there you go. But it's from the Arkham games, ah. and it's badass. Aaron, we are seeing the return now of Brendan Fraser. We're seeing like a, a bunch of for Michael Keaton, Brendan Fraser, the Batgirl thing. You know, Blue Beetle got moved to theatrical release. I'm not going to be shocked if in the next two months we don't. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying I won't be shocked if we hear in the next two months that Batgirl's getting moved to a theatrical release, especially if the Batman does really super well. Uh, again, I'm not hearing any inside information. Throwing that out there. What do you think about the fact that, you know, we've got Michael Keaton there, Brendan Fraser's there, we got our first look at him in the costume and stuff like that. As somebody who's not like hardcore comic book fan, what do you think of these additions? What do you think of the look? Well, I do have to correct myself. It, when thank you chat, it was Leslie Mann who is. Uh, Did we say Leslie Bibb? I said Leslie Bibb. Um, so uh, apologies for that, Leslie Mann. Um, Leslie Bibb and Leslie Mann both very. Leslie talented. Bibb is of course married to uh, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Right, exactly. And speaking of other Leslies, <laughs> Leslie Grace, who is playing Batgirl yes. in this, again goes back to similar to who uh, Ariana Debose. She has three Latin Grammys, you know, in the Heights. She is, we're, we're, get, we're seeing a lot more talent come from Broadway because people are getting away from the idea of, oh, theater actors are too big. We want big, we want big because that's captivating. And I, I love uh, Brendan Fraser in Doom Patrol, even though we don't see him physically. Very rarely, yeah. Right, um, his voice, there's something about, even when he's playing an asshole, you still are compassionate for him. You, you feel compassion for him. He, there's a certain vulnerability that comes with that. And for a big guy, I mean, I'm married to a big guy. You know, like they're, they're big softies most of the time. And, and their size sometimes um, can belie that vulnerability that they have to show. And it's really beautiful the way that Brendan Fraser connects those two. So I love the idea of seeing him as a true villain, not just an accidental villain like he is in Doom right. Patrol, but a real villain because um, he's not a mustache twirling kind of actor. Right. And I also like the fact that he just seemed, I don't know a lot about his personal journey and his personal story, but he seems to be the kind of actor that has been able to just decide when he's going to work and when he's going to live a life away from the camera. And I, 
very few people have the ability to do that. Somehow he's figured it out. And I say good for him and for him to be able to come back and be welcomed with such open arms by the fan community is great to see. Chris, mm -hmm. we got Batgirl coming, Brendan Fraser, we're getting a look at the costume. What are you thinking of it? I'm hyped. Also, how can you not be excited about Batgirl? Come on, Barbara Gordon? Barbara Gordon, the girl detective who's amazing? She's a <laughs> genius? Come on, man. This looks fantastic. And I'm excited they're going with this look. It kind of looks like more of the Garfield Lynn version of this, right? Um, and I like that it's realistic and it's a firefighter kind of outfit, right? Because otherwise, he sort of looks like a yellow jacket from, from right. Marvel, right? Yep. And that's that's not a great aesthetic for this. And this <laughs> seems to really, really work for me. I'm hyped about it. I love Brendan Fraser. I've loved him ever since I saw him in George the Jungle. Encino Man is classic. And oh, obviously- God. School Ties. Uh, the School mummy Ties is so good. The Mummy franchise too was just like, everyone was like, man, I understand being in love. This is wonderful. <laughs> With everyone in that cast, right? You're just like, everyone here is gorgeous. And oh. we, when we pan back and take a wider look at this shot, we see very, uh, you know, properly, he's on top of a fire truck. Mm -hmm. So it does look like they're probably gonna go with that more traditional story for the character in this. Still, they'll be interested to see how they make it a broader scope thing with Gotham and how Batman is gonna tie into it, how Gordon's gonna tie into it. I gotta tell you, I'm getting more and more interested in this movie. Question is for you guys. What did you think about the new look of Firefly, our first kind of peek at it? And where's your anticipation level, if any, for the upcoming Batgirl movie in general? Are you kind of apathetic about it? Are you super excited about it? Whatever you guys are feeling, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number three. Chris, what is our third main topic today? Third topic comes from Steve Calderon. SAG Award winner Ariana DeBose is joining the cast of Sony's Craven the Hunter. According to Deadline, she will be playing Calypso. I loved Ariana in West Side Story. I'm very happy to see her get cast in a big comic book movie. Do you think she's a good choice for this role? All right, thanks a lot for sending in this, uh, this thing. Okay, so we were talking about West Side Story coming out, and she just won the SAG for Best Supporting Actress. Well-deserved. She, she owns the screen when she does this. But it's not always about that. It sometimes is about fit. Now, I'm pretty big on Sony's like Venom movies, and I'm excited about Morbius, and I'm looking forward to Craven. But you've got to take fit into consideration. And she is just not a fit for this. This is, I'm kidding. This is awesome. This is <laughs> about to oh be like, God. how I was dare. confused there. Yeah. Are you Wait, kidding what? me? Listen, listen, yeah, 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 fit and everything. But like, all I ever ask, for a studio when they're casting a role is, make sure you're hiring a talented performer. That, that's all I ask, because I haven't read the script. I don't know what you're specifically going for in this, in this iteration of your characters. I don't know any of that, so I can't be the one to judge who's a good fit for the role and who isn't. Just get me somebody who's really talented, because if you start with talent, you're starting off right. She just won the SAG, and even if she lost, all you have to do is watch West Side Story to know the kind of power that she can bring to her role. She's got, if you watch the dance number, the America dance number in West Side Story is probably my favorite scene of any movie this year. But if you watch that or anything, is it? she has a physicality. She has, she emotes physical power as well, as well as emotional power. She can do it all. She can, I mean, she's the whole package. So this thing just keeps getting better to because wasn't it just, was it Craven that they just recently announced that Russell Crowe mm -hmm. was going to yeah. be in, yeah. who is my favorite actor. 
So you're adding Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. You're adding potentially Academy Award winner. Is, now, is it Dubose or Dubosey? I thought it was Dubosey, but I could be wrong. Public I, school, you guys. I, I would assume it's Dubose. But... I thought, okay, you know, we're going to go with Dubose until we hear uh-huh. until we hear otherwise, which I'm, we very well could be wrong in this. Or, you know, I could be wrong in this. But at any rate, she's fantastic. And I love this. I am getting more. First of all, I really loved when they added Aaron Taylor Johnson. Seeing him in that bullet train commercial and look at like that first of all he's been jacked for a while like ever since savages Mm -hmm. he's been completely jacked anyway but he clearly just keeps getting bigger so uh yeah i'm telling you what i'm very excited about morbius but i'm starting to get so stoked about craven i'm starting to actually look past morbius even though i'm very excited for that too anyway rob you hear about them adding ariana to this what are your thoughts on this? And, and what are your thoughts on her playing Calypso specifically? Well, I think that's great. I mean, she was obviously at one time the lover of Craven. I think that uh, that they're a great team. I hope they kill a lot of people. Um, but I, you know, it, like you said, John, obviously, Miss DeBose, it's her time. And I love it when performers, you know, you that door opens to them and they've got a great team of people behind them and they're putting them in very effective pieces that showcase their roles and they're capitalizing on things that'll get them out there and solidify a career across many different platforms hey do a big comic book movie do west side story for steven spielberg come over here and do something that showcases your dramatic chops you're building a you're building a resume that is unimpeachable and it means you can get cast across a a wide variety of of projects and uh I love her, and I think that's great. I hope we're seeing her for years and years to come, and this is just another stepping stone on what I hope to be a great career for her. Aaron, it's a, it's another example of uh, an award-winning performer now going into a comic book movie, but you see her going into something like Craven. What are your thoughts on this? Well, first of all, I think that um, her publicity team did a great job by holding on to this information until after the SAG Awards. Oh, yeah. Because let's be honest, like it's not like she won the SAG Award and then all of a sudden Craven was like, oh, we want you to be in our movie. Right. I mean, it doesn't happen this like that. This was probably done weeks and weeks and weeks. Exactly. Years. I mean, this Months. is a decision that has been made for a long time, but uh, knowing that the SAG Awards were coming up um, and also knowing that this was the moment for people to remember, oh, West Side Story, she did that. Let's keep all the focus on West Side Story first. And then once that closes, be like, oh, by the way, and whether she won or not, it would have been like, oh, she was just nominated for this award, yeah. um, and now she's got this going on. And it's kind of like what we talk about, the difference between um, a show coming out all at once on Netflix and it coming out week by week by week. It's like you want to, um, in the world of advertising, which was my major, we called it pulsing, where you don't want to show one big, long advertisement. You want to show a bunch of advertisements over and over and over again so that people are like, oh, we were just talking about her. Oh, and now she's in this. So it's brilliant timing for them to announce this role, which she, again, probably has had for weeks if not months uh to announce it like this and i think it just continues to keep and, and who knows what else she has that they're going to be announcing coming up soon yeah. so good for her yeah more almost more now than in any other time in hollywood history this is really a strike while it's hot kind of thing uh and i just noticed that I was we gonna lost say, speaking the, of hot my camera got yeah we got, I, I, I totally forgot to turn on the cooling on your camera again Damn so it. While we go over to you, Chris, and I get your camera restarted, yeah. uh, what are you thinking about the uh, the casting of Debose in this? I 
love this. Okay, this is a character who showed up in the 1980s as a voodoo priestess, and she is terrifying. She murdered her own sister to gain more power. She controlled Kurt Connors as the lizard. To have this actress, who we were just talking about, doing those kind of looks that could kill to Bernardo, having that kind of role, ooh! Oh, that's going to be fun. That's going to be really, really interesting. And I'm so excited to see what the dynamic's going to be like between her and Craven. Are we going for that romance? Are they going to be rivals? Are they just going to kind of push and push each other? Is she the darker side of being a hunter? Because she's known as the hunter of souls. <gasps> it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time. Bring oh, hi, on. there I am. I exist again. Hi, You're back Chris. on. Um, okay. So, question is for you guys. Now that I got that set back up, sorry about that. I keep forgetting to turn on the cooling on her camera. That's okay. I, and only her camera, never anybody else's camera. Everybody else's camera, I remember to turn the cooler on. I'm not even a redhead anymore, and I'm still the redheaded <laughs> stepchild. <laughs> anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this casting? Does it get you more excited for Craven? Maybe you had no excitement for it in the first place. Maybe the same set up even more. Whatever you guys think about this, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number four, shall we? Chris, now that your camera's back on, what shall we talk about for main topic number four? Well, for topic number four, we're going to talk about Silverback Jr.'s question here. Hello, John, Rob, Chris, and Ray. And Aaron. Well, Aaron's here. The IMAX fan event was last night, and wow, what a movie. Twilight Boy is no more. That was truly the Batman. I know you guys got to go to see it last night. What did you guys think? All right, thanks a lot for saying that in, man. And uh, yeah, look, you guys know I've made no secret that the Batman is and has been my number one most anticipated film of the year. Uh, I, I obviously, I wanted the Ben Affleck version, but if it can't be Ben Affleck, Matt Reeves, great. The, the premise of it was wonderful. The trailers came out. They sold me on it more and more and more. We started hearing some early re reactions from it last week, which only got me more excited. And a couple of reviews started coming out yesterday. And to be frank, even the negative ones I read, so I think the movie's holding like an 86, 87% right now. Even the negative reviews I read were very, very well done reviews because reading their negative reviews actually got me more excited for the movie. And so set up for supreme and utter disappointment, we went off last night to uh, the AMC Burbank 16. We'll talk about AMC in a minute here to go watch the Batman. And I will say this, and I mentioned this in our quick out of the theater review last night, that the Batman is not a perfect movie. Um, there are a couple of issues with it. We'll talk about in a second, nor is it the perfect comic book movie, but I have no qualms in saying this is the perfect Batman movie. When you go back and I look back to when I was a kid reading The Dark Knight Returns for the first time, never in my wildest dreams, you know, sometimes we can say like movies like The Avengers that we never, as children, we never would have imagined a movie like that could be made because of the visual effects aspect of it. But I never would have imagined they would, could, could make or would make a Batman movie like this back when I was reading The Dark Knight Returns for the first time. There has never been, like, Ben Affleck, you guys know I love Ben Affleck's iteration of Batman because his Batman, whether or not you love the movies or not, his Batman totally understands the dichotomy of Batman and Bruce Wayne and that Batman is the true face and Bruce Wayne is the mask. 
Other iterations of Batman say that, but they don't show it. Ben Affleck's Batman did. But I have never seen any iteration of Batman that really felt like it was jumping off the pages of the comic book to me. That this is the detective. You know, they've been making promises that we're going to get the detective in this movie. We've heard that before. My God, they delivered it. Yeah. Actually, the, the, before we get a big action sequence, well, well, no, that's not really true. We do get a fantastic action sequence with him in the streets before. But even then, like in the first few minutes of the movie, he's on a crime scene. He's collecting evidence. He's, he's doing Sherlock Holmes, which is an aspect of the Batman we have not seen before on the screen. And, they, and it wasn't just one scene of service. Like throughout the movie, he is the detective. And I loved it. The action sequences were every bit as visceral and violent as we were hoping it would be that the little clips that they showed on it would be. They went, Matt Reeves, some people said this is the darkest Batman yet. They're absolutely right. Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson really did decide, because we've always talked about Bruce Wayne is damaged. He died in that alley with his parents. He is damaged. Most Batman we see on screens have some issues. You know, that maybe if they talk to a therapist a little bit, they can <laughs> work through the... This Bruce Wayne is capital D damaged. And he's aware of it. Like, you always get that sense through the movie that he is completely cognizant of the fact that he is damaged. He understands that there are certain things, we won't go into spoilers, but there are certain things in him that push him to doing the things that he does and motivates and he's aware of it and he knows it. He even questions it a bunch as he gets into it. And the promise was a seven, you know, the movie seven, not a seven out of 10. We were promised like that 90 style serial killer thriller. Oh my God, they delivered. Absolutely. Right from the opening scene, we see it in the trailer, by the way. There's there's an opening trailer where all the police are at a crime scene and the camera pans over and the Batman's in the room too with the cops, right? That, that's one of the opening scenes of the movie. Right from there and what precedes that, you are floored. By the way, I would have had no argument if this movie was rated R. Yeah. I would have had no no arguments for me if it had give, be given, been given a rated R. But... The, the violence is guttural. I mean, it's it's heavy. And then you get into these fast, slick action scenes. And, I mean, Batman, I counted three people I think Batman killed in this thing. But, but whatever, that's another discussion for another time. But, my goodness, Jeffrey Wright. The dynamic between Jeffrey Wright and him. Like, Gary Oldman and Christian Bale, they developed a pretty cool chemistry as gordon and batman they they really did i think this was a better chemistry like i immediately got hooked into the jeffrey wright gordon and and uh, pattinson's batman like they they already had a shorthand with each other and they they trusted each other they like felt all, like partners they felt like partners thank you chris that's a perfect way of putting it that was great zoe kravitz as catwoman is just my god so good. And you, when she gets into her action sequences, because they showed a little bit of it in that clip we watched, you buy it. Like the way she moves and the way she attacks and the way she does all the stuff that she does, you totally buy it. I actually really like the balance of the character as well. It was great. 
the fact that they truly investigate and they get into the underbelly, the crime-ridden aspect of what Gotham is and how infected and corrupt and everything to its core that the city was, they explored it in beautiful terms. Is it dark? Yes. Is it bleak? Yes. Does that movie mean it will not be for everybody? Like we talked about last week. It's like, like I didn't expect this movie to have a 95% or a 97, 98, 99% because the kind of movie this is promising to be is not going to work for everybody. But they delivered all of it. And I now, I will say this, and I will mention it again. Some people are saying this movie's too long. I concur. I think they could have scalpeled a good 15 minutes out. It's particularly in the third act for me. I think I think they could have cut that out. Um, there's also a, a creative choice they made closer to the end of the movie that I won't give any specifics on that I kind of wish they didn't do. Other than that, if you were going to pull out a blueprint with God and God was going to sketch out the blueprint of a perfect, in its DNA level, Batman movie, this is it. This is it. I, 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 I cannot wait. I'm not going to sit here and say this is better than The Dark Knight. Or I'm not going to say that. All I'm just saying is I cannot wait for Friday so we can go back and watch this again. I, like Anne was like literally the drive home. Anne was buzzing. And was like literally buzzing in the car and talking the whole way home and all this kind of stuff. Like, I cannot wait to get in the theater and see this again. Um, it delivered. It, it met my number one most anticipated movie of the year, and it delivered on all aspects. Rob, you were there with me last night. You had a chance to watch uh, The Batman. What are your thoughts now, what, 16 hours later? What did you think? Well, I mean, I was sitting next to Chris. I, I was knocked out by this movie. I, I, I was stunned by it. And, and my whole thing, John, about movies or really any kind of narrative i'm all about authorship and i want to feel that when i'm reading a novel or reading a comic or watching a movie or watching a tv series that there is real authorship behind it that i that i'm getting a point of view that is maybe not i mean obviously movies are a collaborative art form but there's always somebody at the top matt reeves both co-wrote the script and directed this film and his point of view, his take on this material, this well-worn material that we've been watching various iterations of for over 50 years now. How do you bring something new to this material that we haven't seen before? Well, he did that. And he took everything I wanted from this movie, I was given. It's a sprawling, epic story. Yes, it touches on themes that we've seen done in all different kinds of movies, whether it's Seven or whether it's Chinatown or whether it's Take Your Pick, even The Godfather. You know, there's elements of all of that in this film, but it's it's put together in such a way, it's so self-assured and it it knows exactly what it wants to be and it's presenting a tone, a mood and a story that is so, it so, shows such authorship that I was absolutely captivated, captivated by it from beginning to end. And I was also astonished at just how, how much of a meal it is. It's approaching its storyline from many different angles. The acting was superlative. Uh, for anybody, it, look, I'm already hearing pushback. Robert Pattinson was great in this role, and I, he's almost an alien, John. He's almost like, I mean, you said he was damaged. He's not just damaged. I don't think he even feels that he's a part of, he's untethered from humanity. And mm -hmm. you know yeah. from the beginning of the film that he's desperately looking 
to connect himself back up with mankind, the human race. And he's observing the human race. And you hear this voiceover of him near the very beginning of the movie where where he's looking for a reason to to he, he's looking it's like he's adrift literally in the ocean and he wants to come back to shore and he doesn't know how and he doesn't know if he should and and he's like an alien and i i love that i love that he is like and and the whole journey about this movie people are talking about i didn't find this movie too long at all because i was completely immersed in all of it and it is not look this is not your fun mirth-filled wackadoo batman you know this is not adam west and burr ward this isn't even, I mean, people are going to compare it to Christopher Nolan. How does it compare? Even Christopher Nolan's movies have more of a pulp comic sensibility than this movie does. This movie is so hard-boiled, noir, 1940s. Mm. There is no, there is almost no fantasy elements to this at all. It's firmly set in the real world, which I was there for. I, 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 I John, I was, like I said, I, I'm kind of overwhelmed by the film but most importantly it made me realize that studio movies can still be the most electrifying most incredible examples of filmmaking and that warner brothers allowed matt reeves to realize his vision in such grand fashion let it be a lesson to to studios if you want your ips to continue to be relevant you need to find creatives you need to find auteurs that really want to adapt your material don't just go out and don't you shouldn't be picking people to direct you should find people who make it their life's work to take your ip and turn it into something special because that's what we got here and it is not for everybody and there's going to be a lot of people that are going to bitch and moan and complain and because there always are but for those of you who are open to see something we got plenty of different iterations of batman this this isn't just a great batman movie this is a unique film that i was stunned to get from a major motion picture studio in 2022 and by the way i don't think i i might have missed it but i don't think either of us have mentioned dano nope dude paul freaking dano this is the guy with that mutant level omega level power level that he we saw in there will be blood and he brought it in here in spades. Dude, there's one scene. I'm not going to say what scene it is. I think the whole theater was like leaning back in their oh. seats just like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, wow. Wow. Everybody, I, I thought Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana. Why am Zoe I saying Kravitz? Zoe Kravitz? I thought Zoe Kravitz was sublime. Mm -hmm. oh, and yeah. she's called upon to do a lot of different different things and i have to tell you she not only was she hard-boiled but she was also she had a vulnerability to her yeah. mm -hmm. and and a real a real centered place and i i was taken aback by her performance uh blown away let's go over chris as uh you know you were there last night watching this movie is i get i know you had high expectations going yeah. in as well what are you thinking about it once you walked out of the theater and how are you feeling about it now? Oh, I really enjoyed this. Getting handed that little snippet of Long Halloween too, one of my favorite, favorite Batman comics. I was like, oh, we we hit that mark for me. We hit that level. I'm so glad you brought up all the stuff about Selena because I love the what in Rome part of the Catwoman story that Tim, uh, Tim Sale did and Jeff Loeb. And we get that Catwoman, you know, we get this sleek, 
vulnerable but kick-ass woman who can hold her own but also doesn't always want to have to mm-hmm. you know she's so layered she's so nuanced um we have paul dano not going for the gimmick but delivering someone who fully believes in their own ideals which is so much more terrifying to have a villain who has an ideology that they firmly believe in as opposed to being somebody who's just zany in there to fight the caped crusader you know we have a really compelling character study here i'm so glad too that rob brought up the alien nature of this because there was one scene with robert pattinson where i was just sitting there going oh connect come on connect more in this scene and it makes sense that he's not it so makes sense he doesn't know how yeah and that that now going back on, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to watch that a second time and go, oh, I see this, I get this. It's so noir. The voiceover is so pulp, gumshoe sounding. Gotham is such a interesting character in its own right. I'm so glad the Waynes had the uh, fortuitous nature of moving into a Gothic cathedral from Milan. <laughs> you know, there there are some aesthetic issues for me. There are some moments where I think that Reeves went style over st- substance, where it was, why would you do that? Why would you do that in your home? (laughs) But okay. (laughs) All right. But for the most part, I really enjoyed this. I was wrong about a few things. I'm not crazy about one of the things that happened towards the end. And I do think we have some pacing issues. But man, I'm... I'm excited to see this movie again, and it didn't feel like three hours. I didn't have to take a pee break, you guys. I was so on my seat. I, I had a big beer beforehand, oh. and I had a large Diet Coke and didn't have to do it. Yeah, I, I had, had like three coffee. Cokes at dinner before we went into right. the theater. I, I didn't make it all the way through. <laughs> I would have been know, peeing in 10 minutes if I had that. <laughs> I, I, John, there is something I, I wanted to address. There's a lot of people I've seen already talking about the third act. The yeah, third act which I'm movie. not going to lie to you. I Out of the three, well, I think it's the least strong act of uh, but, it, but there's some highlights in it for but sure. But I, I would say this, you know, Gotham is a character in this film. Absolutely. And it isn't until the third act of the movie that the city as a whole is brought in. I mean, the whole idea of, of we keep we see the city at ground level, but there's a holistic level to Gotham. All of Gotham. Batman is the defender of all of Gotham, not just the various rotten points. Not just the narrows. And, uh, yeah, and I think that when it expands outward and when the story gets bigger, you needed to have that because Batman needed to connect with all of Gotham. I don't disagree with you that, that you needed to have that. I just thought that... We're trying to stay vague. I just <laughs> thought that could have been done a little bit better. I, got, I didn't I didn't think it was bad. I thought it was good. I just I, I, it was not that it wasn't humming at a ten like the other parts. Of I mean, the I mean, there's I I, I I I just loved it. And you know, there's yeah. there's there was something very biblical about yep. what's going on there, and and there's so much going on in this film. I just appreciated seeing a movie that that aspired to this. Yeah. Level. Let me ask this question: Who suddenly is dying for this Penguin show? I am. Oh Dude. man. I am Dude. so at first I'm I was like, wondering well, when you guys were gonna start talking about Colin Farrell. Oh my god. Because like when they made this decision, I thought, oh okay, cool. They're gonna do a Nas cobble. All right, yeah, and Colin Farrell looks great in it. And I think he's fan. I've loved him ever since in Bruges. Sure, okay, this could yeah, this could be good. Nah, nah. 
Now, now I came out of that theater besides thinking, my God, I cannot wait to come back to the theater, watch this again. I'm yeah. like, when is that damn penguin show? Well, and especially after oh. yesterday with the, we're going R on this. We're going heavy into this. Oh yeah. With we're, that kind of ideology of like, yes, yes. Lean into the brutality. Lean into that seedy underworld that he is so comfortable in. And you know how, they, how we said like, by looking at him, the pictures of Oz in the movies, you'd never guess that was Colin Farrell. Right. You can watch this movie and never know that's Colin Farrell. Yeah, really. If you he didn't know that was Colin Farrell, no. you are not walking out of that theater. His accent, or he, it was. Yeah, I was going to say, what is his? Because Colin Farrell has such a distinctive Irish accent. So oh I'm, no, he's 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 got like a New York like a kind New of York, a New Jersey thing, yeah. which is pretty typical because Gotham's supposed to be a New Jersey kind of hybrid. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and that's why Harley Quinn always had that. She had the traditional Jersey <laughs> accent, yeah. which was traditional and Gotham. Can we just talk about John Turturro too? I love. Oh, I was going to ask about him too. I love him. What? He, how is he? I, I'm a bit, I'll be, admit, I wasn't. I didn't love hearing that he got cast in it. Totally take that back. Oh my! Why God. would you not love John Turturro getting cast in anything? Because I just didn't think that playing that kind of role. You know, I think about him in the Transformers movies, and I'm thinking like, I don't know if I want to bring that into a Falcone. But then I'm watching him. He's like, oh yeah. This is the same guy from Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Yeah, and Big Lebowski, he yeah. like yeah. He, he, he can do can anything. To this. He has to live oh. and die in L.A. And he's watching, so good, Rob. Watching so, him in this right now and in Severance, oh. having these two roles at the same time. Which, by the way, thank you for turning me on to yeah, Severance. It's so so good. good, but it's so such a dynamic performer, so different. Oh, and I have to say, I mean, we've been listening to Michael Giacchino's score. But, oh my! I, you know, I, I've been listening to a score. I've been loving the score, but I'm, I kept thinking, "How is this going to work in the movie?" Like, I, I had no sense. A lot of the time, you kind of get a sense of what the movie is from the score, and I couldn't. I love this music, but I'm like, "Is this going to work for what they're?" Oh my God, does it work? Uh, I, I mean, so the, powerful. The, 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 and also, I have to say, the visual effects in this movie are astonishing. Top notch top notch and especially the climax i'm like oh my god especially compared to moonfall which has some similar <laughs> so i'm like we knew it had to come hell? back to moonfall <laughs> i know i mean god it affects everything about this movie i i i it, it's funny because you know i guess because i read batman comics my whole life and Batman comics run the gamut. I can read Batman and the Outsiders. I can read Batman in the comedic version of Justice League. I could read The Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One from Frank Miller. I could read Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill's Batman from the 70s. So I've read Gotham by Gaslight. I've read so many different Batman stories in my life. And this was like reading, it was like opening the pages of a, of a new iteration of Batman because this is so different than what we've seen before. And there's, we only touched on him for a second. Let's talk about Robert Pattinson. Oh, let's talk about Twilight Boy. He killed it. He absolutely killed it. And you know, I, I kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier, that, you know, whereas Ben Affleck was really the best Batman to really grasp and understand, Batman is the real face and whatever. Robert Pattinson got it too. But again, and I mentioned this earlier, he truly grasped that. The comics always joke, you know, there's something wrong with Batman. I mean, th I mean, there's yeah. something fundamentally broken about Batman, right? Besides being top-rate genius, all this kind of stuff. I've never seen it expressed as well as what Robert Pattinson did here. He was he managed to carry... By the way, I don't think he smiles once in the movie. I don't know that there's a single smile that he gives in this entire no. movie. But 
Nor should he. He carries that intensity and that thing. And listen, he is not the biggest Batman we've ever had, but he exudes power. Like when, like he's approaching the street gang that we see in the trailer, you just know, God, you guys are fucked. Like you just know he carries himself in a way that he's able to just do it. And at every step of this movie, he convinced me this is the Prince of Gotham. This is the Batman. I had, I never doubted it for a second. And he's going to silence. The only people who will not be silenced are the ones who don't watch this movie. I, I mean, he's just, you can't walk out of this and go, ah, oh, Pattinson didn't do a very good job. Yeah, he did. He well, was great. There's a, there's a real choice made in his performance. And that choice, he, he goes all in on it. Mm -hmm. And I just appreciated the that, that he's always like, if you look at him, he's always looking. There's like these long, there's that moment in the funeral sequence where I think we've seen it in trailers, but where he connects with this, a child and he's completely understanding what, and he doesn't, he just holds this fixed gaze. He doesn't even do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's really hard to hold a gaze like yeah. that for as long as a camera is pushing into him. And you feel like you feel his, in that moment, you're seeing the pain that he knows what that kid well, is going to go through. And this is something Aaron can definitely speak to, too. When you're doing on camera work, the camera's smarter than you. The camera's going to pick up on every micro facial a movement that you make it's going to know what you're thinking mm -hmm. and so he really really just does such a good job of that too of just really keying into what's feeling inside right coming out and exuding that way i also love too and i wasn't expecting because we in the trailer have him yelling right he's so soft-spoken mm. he's so soft-spoken in this and i mean you don't have to be the loudest person in the room when you're wearing kevlar and bad ears so there's that as but, teddy roosevelt said speak softly and carry a big, big stick. stick exactly but there's a lean in quality and there is that kind of i know this is an odd comparison but devil wears prada right why would you yell if you're important important people don't yell right important people have you lean into them mm -hmm. and there is that quality to this of i'm going to speak when i need to when i have something important to say and to add to the conversation and it's executed so well also we've always seen batman that are even though we saw christian bale become batman you know but when he went back to gotham he'd been traveling the world for 10 years right training and honing this is a man who's newly minted as batman who is untethered from the world who 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 doesn't understand quite who and what he is he's trying to figure it out he tells us so in the movie we even have that we have he 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 has a journey and an arc and he makes this arc through the film and there's gonna be a lot of people that I think are put off by this because they're used to seeing the fully formed Batman, that ass kicker. I mean, Ben Affleck is the fully uh, long battled grizzled veteran yeah. of wars. Yeah. Whereas Christian Bale is newly minted, full of piss and vinegar. This is a Batman that is, is very different and very not fully formed. And one, one other thing we should mention that we have not brought up yet, because he becomes the one emotional anchor for Bruce. Andy Serkis is Alfred. It's hard to, I, I love Jeremy Irons, Alfred. I do. Mm -hmm. Michael Caine is kind of the model for me for Alfred. Although I can't remember the gentleman's name. I, I wasn't a huge fan of Gotham, but the guy who played Alfred in Gotham oh. was, I was also very good. I thought I loved Andy Serkis's Alfred here. He, in one moment would be the very proper English gentleman. 
He does not tol he does not take Bruce's shit either, which I really like that. Bruce is also very short with him. But you as you get into the movie, he becomes that one Alfred becomes incredibly important because and we're not going to get into details or anything, but he is the anchor of Bruce's humanity. If there's anything human left in Bruce, it's Alfred that anchors that for him. And, and Bruce knows great. it. You yes. know, that's the one thing. I mean, he he goes to Andy's circus because if he didn't have him, he would sp he would be lost. Yeah. yeah, he would be drifting off into the middle of the ocean. And he would lose his humanity entirely. Well, Alfred is the closest thing that he has to a parent because yes. he, yeah, I mean, yeah. he went off to boarding school and had you know multiple teachers, but it was Alfred, and and it's actually. It's no no wonder that he would sometimes be sure with him. It's kind of like when you go back home to visit your parents, you revert into that 14-year-old asshole that you were. Yeah. You're like, you're sleeping in your old room, and your mom's like, it's time for dinner. And you're like, fuck you, mom, I'm yeah. on the phone. You know, like, I, not that anyone should talk to their mom no. like that, no. and not that I do. But there is that thing where you revert back to that teenage self. And so it's no wonder that he feels like he can be that short with the one person who has been the parent figure in his life, the stable person who he's known since his parents were alive. Uh, it's and, and Circus does a great job. And all I'm going to say is this. I am looking forward to seeing Alfred fight. That's all I'm yeah. going to say. Well, and you you could tell that he's he was clearly an ultimate badass. I yeah. mean, he's all scarred up. Yeah, that yep. guy was clearly yeah. special forces or spec ops. Oh, or yeah. I don't know what he was, but... He was scary and his performance, you know, let's 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 also give Andy Circus a shout out because he directed Carnage, Venom Let There Be Carnage. Yeah. And he did this. So in terms of an MVP player for comic book movies, pretty good. Yeah. I real quick, I just want to say too, I know we keep talking about how there's not a lot of like this is a dark movie. This is a very, very grim movie. There is hope at the end of this. Mm. And I oh. don't want to spoil anything. But we have a little nugget of something in there where we go, okay, oh, all I, right. I got choked up at the end of this yep. movie, like I, to the point where where I was, I was, I literally, I'm thinking about it right now. I'm getting all, I, I literally for the last hour and a half of this movie, I was, I don't think I moved. No, y'all, no one I don't think has ever seen Robert Meyer Burnett be speechless, <laughs> except for me. Yeah, where it was just like, well, okay, the movie's done, and he's just. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, okay. I was staggered by this Because somebody brought it up in the live chat. I got to mention this too. I'm not going to go. You you see it's in the trailer. So you know this is in the movie. I'm just saying. I've never seen the introduction of a car <laughs> in a movie <laughs> like the Batmobile is introduced in this. You like I you could feel it in the audience too. Like oh. when the Batmobile first arrives, and we're not going to give you any detail, but when the Batmobile first arrives, you're like, you could feel it in the audience. Mm -hmm. And the sound design oh, dude. of the Batmobile, you know what it reminded me of? Not that it's identical. It reminded me of the audio design and the sound design in the pod race scene in The Phantom Menace, one of the few good things about that movie. But once the Batmobile starts, appears on screen, and the engines start to rev, yeah. and you feel the bones in your body shaking with the 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 revving of the engine and the power of that 
motorcycle. Dude, oh the God. Batmobile is ferocious. It's awesome. It's so I mean, good. it was, you know, a lot of people talk, oh, it's just a big muscle car. Well, yeah, but it worked it, in the context of the movie it's supposed to be. But my God, the, it, the I've never seen people like be affected so much by sound. By the way, just quickly, uh, Mujaba in the live chat is saying, we need a Batmobile solo movie. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, oh if Knight Rider could be an entire television series. There you, go. there you go. We need a Batmobile solo movie. You know, my, I know. The, okay, so I'm, I obviously don't have a lot to say since I haven't seen the movie. I will be seeing it for the first time with you guys on, um, Friday. on Friday. And I'm so excited. Um, and as much as I would love for this to be my three and a half year old, three and a half month old child's first movie, we might have to get a babysitter so Tom and I can actually watch a movie for once in a theater as adults. Um, but that being said, you know, my very first acting teacher in Los Angeles, the brilliant Tom Todoroff, before you could do any scene work in class, you could not, you, he would not assign you any scene work until you had, in his eyes, mastered the prologue from Romeo and Juliet. And if you didn't master it in your performance, you had to do it again. You had to go back. Nope, that you didn't get it. You got to go back and do it again, or you would not get assigned a scene in class. And that was very frustrating for a lot of people. But what I loved about that was his point was this. If you cannot tell a story that has been told a thousand times and make it your own, mm. make it unique, and make people hear it in a new way, then what are we even doing here? Why are you trying to be an actor? That's a really good point. And yeah. so for this, I think that Batman at this point is kind of similar in the way that we all know that there are the different iterations of Batman, of Batman, excuse me. And we know that Michael Keaton's Batman is a thing. We know that uh, Christian Bale's Batman is a thing and different directors Batman, Batman is a thing. And so for Matt Reeves to come in and go, okay, I know that there is an expectation. And to be able to find the balance between what is the expectation of this franchise that is so much bigger than anyone who is a part of it, and how do we put my how do I put my own stamp on it as a director? Mm. How do I as Robert Pattinson put my own stamp on it as an actor and still fulfill the obligation that is there? for such a you know such a a specific type of movie i mean that is really an incredible feat so regardless of whether you even like the movie or not just the simple attempt is worth noting but i also think that when people say oh there's no new ideas in hollywood sometimes the retelling of an of a of a, of a story is an original idea in itself oh, absolutely which is and can how sometimes do, be more difficult Absolutely, because you're always going to be compared to the one before. And so I really, uh, even sight unseen, I commend Matt Reeves and I commend everyone in this project. And for as far as Zoe Kravitz and her vulnerability, that doesn't surprise me at all. If you saw her in uh, Big Little Lies, oh, so her good. performance is so understated, but has this bubbling undercurrent that really flows through the whole thing. So when her character finally does explode, you know that's been building. So I, I really think that Zoe Kravitz, similarly to what we were saying about Ariana DuBose earlier, she is really carving out a niche for herself of I can do it all and you're not gonna put me in a box. And I love that. You know what else, John? I think you're absolutely right about that. That point you made was so, that's what a great point to make about any IP or any, 
I love the fact that Batman was Batman for 80% of this movie. He was oh, yeah. in his costume. I mean, I love the fact we've never seen Batman just saunter into a room with a hundred cops, just walk in, and they're, they're all. Everyone knows who Batman is. Batman is not hiding. People are like winged bat terrorizes city or whatever. Wait till they get a look. No, everyone knows who Batman is. Mm-hmm. He is a fixture in the city. He's always in costume. He wanders into crime scenes. That's why. Commissioner Gordon is like partnered up with him. That struck me right off the bat. Yeah. The first time you and see Batman. we've never really seen that before. Never seen it before. And that is immediately telling you, and it was a little, for me, I have to say, I'm like, that was interesting. I was so not used to that. And and once you settle into that, you know that's just another aspect. Very different Batman. Very, Very different, different thing that you've ever seen before. All right, is guys. There an, is there a post-credit scene, though? No. Not really. Okay, well, no and not really are two very different answers. The best way to put it is there's a message, but you, I I put it this way. After three hours, you don't need to stay in your seat. Okay. I I don't, I I would not say there's any need to stay in your seat. Although that score of the end credits is beautiful. Oh yeah. If you just want to sit down and listen to the score. Especially if you're singing in a huge theater. Yeah. Then by all means. All right, guys, we're going to be talking more, a little bit more about Batman here on the next topic, but for now, what do you guys think? Were you one of those people who got to see the IMAX big advanced screening of the Batman last night? If not, where's your anticipation level for the Batman right now? Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's stay on the topic of the Batman a little bit here and go on to main topic number five. Chris, what is our fifth main topic today? This is from Kylo Ken. A very morose Barbie doll companion. Uh, John, it seems your favorite AMC CEO, Adam Aron, is making some more incredible decisions to make the movie-going experience that much better. He's so generous. According to Deadline, Aron has stated that AMC plans to charge slightly higher prices for the Batman tickets than they are for films playing in the same theaters. They decided that in the release of the Batman is the perfect opportunity to experiment with variable pricing. I'm sure this will go over great and will help the box office for the Batman <laughs> tremendously, but I want to get your thoughts. Can't wait to hear what you think. As always, thanks and bring on the filthy. All right, look, let's, for those of you who may not know, let me preface this in full disclosure. I am not a fan of Adam Aaron, the CEO of AMC. I'm sure he's a perfectly nice guy. I've never met the gentleman. He didn't become CEO of AMC till well after I left AMC. So I've, I've never had the the, the uh, pleasure of meeting the gentleman. So I, And I have nothing about him personally to say, again, because I've never met him. But just so you know, full disclosure, I am definitely not a fan. I almost got thrown out of CinemaCon because he was on stage at one point, and I very came very, very close to standing up and making a scene. He was uh, definitely muttering, not so <laughs> yeah, quietly yeah, under his breath. A, yeah, and, and and we'll we'll get to that. And we were like in the third row, so it's not yeah, like we you could right see close or to the hear front. you. Yeah. We were right to the front. <laughs> he may have noticed, but and I'll tell you why specifically in a second. But for those of you who saw the news, AMC has announced that they are char- they're going to start charging more for the Batman. So if you're going to go to the movies tomorrow night and you want to see um, you know, traditionally you go to the movie theaters. So it's like, okay, well, there's Death on the Nile, uh, made by director Kenneth Branagh, and there's the Batman. Now, traditionally, you, you buy your ticket to get into the movie. They're going to charge you more to see the Batman, and this is going to become a normal thing for them. 
they are going to start charging premium prices to see these movies. These movies that you are highly anticipating and excited about, they're going to charge you more. This, to me, is the latest example of the professionally absolute incompetence of Adam Aaron of AMC Theaters and his personal dedication to the destruction of the movie-going experience. <laughs> he seems hell-bent, as dedicated as Batman is to saving Gotham, Adam Aaron wants to destroy movie-going. Don't mince words, John. What yeah, do you really what think? really trying to say? Um, now, let's, let's talk about this for a second. All right? Some people will start making excuses for this. This idea of, well, let's charge more for this and whatever. Because what Adam Aaron says, and what I've had some people say to me, is, well, you know, John, there's a lot of industries that do that. Like, if you're going to go to a concert of Eddie, the fundamentally fantastic flute player, or if you're going to go see Prince... You're going to pay two different ticket prices. Right, right, rub it in. Uh, well, yeah. Well, I, I mean, obviously. Prince would be a very premium ticket to pay. <laughs> Not that I think about it. Or if you're going to go see, I, I mean, I don't know. If you're going to go see Dr. Dre today or, you know, Phil the Fantastic Flute Player, you're going to probably end up paying more for the Dre What's tickets. your issue with the string section? That's what <laughs> I want to know. I'm just saying. <laughs> and, you know, if you do go to the Dre concert, if you want to sit front row, you're going to pay more tickets for that than if you sit at the very back behind one of the concrete pillars. Okay, fine. But here's the difference. In all those other industries where you have varied prices, like if you want to go to Staples Center, now known as the Crypt, Ugh. to go watch uh, like a Lakers game, the average ticket price there is probably about 300 bucks to go see a game. Now, yeah, if you want to sit near courtside, you're probably going to be paying a grand or more. But the flip side of that coin is if you sit up in the absolute nosebleeds way far away, you're going to pay a much lower price. Let me be very clear about this. AMC is not introducing something like that. They're saying, let's charge a ridiculously high price for all of our tickets and now let's pay an even bigger, ridiculously high price for the Batman. Like, if this was something where AMC was rolling out and saying, you know what? If you come to AMC theaters next week to see a movie and you want to see, I don't know, Death on the Nile, that's been out in theaters for three or four weeks, isn't super popular. You know what? We're not going to charge you our regular $14. We're going to charge you $6 see those movies. If they were suggesting something like that, there might be a check and a balance in the universe. But it's not. This is not like concert going. This is not like going to a game. This is not like the other industries. Don't buy into the lie. This, this BS of saying, that we're just doing what other industries do. No, you're not. What you are doing is continuing to raise your already overpriced tickets and now giving yourself an excuse to charge even more for the movies that people want to see. And that's what they're doing in an environment where the number one responsibility of movie theaters should be to get people and attract people back to the theaters. Because I'm going to tell you what else. Check this out. So a little while ago, that's the wrong one. 
Uh, where'd it go? There it is. A little while ago, Cineworld did a Cineworld Day in the UK, right? Cineworld Day, where they charge four bucks for one day, four bucks to go see a movie. Guess what? They set their record for the most tickets ever sold. More people ever in a single day went to a Cineworld theater. Now, you might say, well, of course, John, they made the tickets cheap. But that proved the point. The number one obstacle, Variety did an article on this one. We talked about it at length on this show. Variety put out a study that showed the number one thing that has become a roadblock for people to go back, people who used to go on average of seven times a year or more to the movie theaters, the 50% of them who have not come back to the movies with, that study showed the number one obstacle to them is the cost of the movie tickets. Cineworld then just did a little bit of a Petri dish example here. So, okay, what happens if we take that roadblock out? They proved people still want to go to the movies. They want to go. John, there's something else you pointed out. What's that? More expensive tickets at concerts or sporting events change your experience of that event. Yes. When you get closer to the stage, you can see the musicians playing. You can get sweated on if that's what you want. When you're closer to courtside, the experience of watching something, you feel it. It's a whole different thing. The premium that you're paying is giving you a different experience. Yes. Uh, a, a more premium experience. I wouldn't, let's call it better because it is better. It's better when you're closer. A movie going experience shouldn't be, it shouldn't have that. By definition, when you see a movie, it should be the same for everybody. And the venue that you're watching it in should matter. It should not matter which seat you're in. You should still be provided a premium experience. So why should you have to pay for that? What they're doing then is they're saying that, oh, these first run movies, which all first run movies are going to be premium, aren't they? I mean, so they're just giving you an excuse. They're using this as a way to just tell you that first run movies are now going to be more expensive than they already were, which makes no sense to me. And he continues his practice of coming up with new ways of deterring people from coming to the movies in an era when they should be coming up with ways to entice people back. They removed convenient show times. They already did a, a general ticket price increase. Remember we talked about it on the show a couple months ago, they've already increased their general prices. And now they're saying, Oh, now that the movies are coming out that are going to bring people back to theaters, let's make it harder for people to come back and let's do this. And I want to point out that this is a pattern of Adam Aaron at AMC. Now, when I bring that up, some people say to me, but John, Adam Aaron got AMC through the pandemic. That couldn't have been easy. He led them through the wilderness like an unto Moses unto the Hebrews. He took them out of the wilderness and led them into the promised land? Didn't he do that? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. You want to see the one graphic that perfectly sums up the leadership of Adam Aaron? Here it is at this company. This is a chart of the AMC Theater stock price. Now, when you go back to this point here, this is in July of 2015, when the former CEO, when I, the guy who was CEO when I was there, the stock price just before he left was th almost $33. That was the stock price. It was the second half of 2015 that Adam Aaron became CEO of AMC Theaters. And look what happened since then. Now, immediately there was a drop-off. There was a big leadership change. You can't blame Adam Aaron for that, okay? So don't blame Adam Aaron for that initial drop-off with the leadership change. So then he got it back to roughly where it was. But since then, in 2017, 2016, fall, 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 
fall, fall, fall, until we get to about November 22nd, before the pandemic became a thing. This $33 stock had dropped down to under $8 under Adam Aaron's leadership. Now, we will not hold, obviously, Adam Aaron responsible for this fall to $2.60 because now we're in early 2020 when the pandemic was shutting everything down. You cannot hold him responsible for that. That's, that's not his fault. But years of decline, years of failure, put them on the brink of bankruptcy, besieged on all sides. Let's go over to an article from Forbes here for a second. This is, for, this is written a, a couple of years ago, but they wrote this when, before the meme stock hit. And we're going to talk about the meme stock in a second. Movie theater operator AMC Entertainment had its moment as a meme stock at the same time it was staving off bankruptcy, which illustrates how little the stock's rise was related to the firm's actual fundamentals. Apart from bankruptcy's concerns, AMC business operations had been trending in the wrong direction even prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. AMC's core earnings fell from $114 million in 2013 when the previous CEO was there to $30 million in 2019 before there was ever any pandemic. Core earnings fell negative $1.8 billion in 2020. The firm burned through $5.2 billion in free cash flow from 2014-2019, and free cash flow was $3.9 billion in 2020. Given the poor fundamentals, AMC earned the unattractive rating before the meme stock frenzy took off. Let's go back to this thing here. They were on, the, on death's door. They were being besieged by everything. They were laying people off. And you know what Adam Aaron did? When they were on the brink of bankruptcy... When they were getting ready to go under, first thing he did was he laid off nearly 30,000 people. Okay, you're going into survival mode. He laid off almost 30,000 employees of AMC Theater, which is a business decision, and I don't fault him for that. But in the midst of the company getting ready to go into bankruptcy and them laying off 30,000 people, he gave him fucking self a $9 million bonus. When the company's on the precipice of going under, and they're taking away the jobs of nearly 30,000 people, this moron agreed and orchestrated from the board of directors to give unto himself a $9 million bonus. I might be off by a few dollars, for, so forgive me if, I, if I'm, I'm giving or taking a little bit here, but generally speaking, in the midst of all that, gave himself a That's what Adam Aaron did. The same Adam Aaron who took the stock from $33 a share at one point down to $7 before the pandemic hit, then the pandemic hits, which ain't his fault, lays off 30,000 people, gives himself $9 million, and then people want to say he saved, you want to know how he saved the company? This is how Adam Aaron saved the company. A bunch of guys on Reddit created meme stocks, and they artificially inflated the stock of AMC thing. We, they did it with GameStop, and they did it with AMC Theaters, and all of a sudden, in June of 2021, the stock price hit nearly $60. They instantly sold a ton more stock, raised $1.2 billion in, in capital for the company. The executives and the board members at AMC instantly sold most of their own stock because they knew this is a fluke. I mean, the, the, the thank you Reddit guys who meme stock us, and they made millions of dollars in selling their own stock in their own company. And it put a ton of money into the coffers of AMC theaters, and they survived. Thanks 
to a meme stock created by guys on Reddit. Not by Adam Aaron, who led them from $30 plus a share down to $7 a share. Not by Adam Aaron, who gave himself a $9 million bonus when the company was on the precipice of bankruptcy. They fell ass backwards. And then when Aaron and I were at CinemaCon this year, Adam Aaron had the audacity, the goal, to get on stage at CinemaCon and brag. Ha-ha. People said AMC was in trouble. We have led them to a point where we have positive cash flow in our bank accounts, and we're still here and stronger than ever. And I wanted to stand up and shout at the top of my fucking lungs, you asshole, you fell ass backwards in luck that a meme stock from, from Reddit saved your ass. Saved your ass. And you're sitting up there taking credit like it was something you did. Then... <laughs> As the pandemic starts to wane and they've got all this, this surprise like free money. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see where the climax goes. And then with the positive cash flow that this meme stock gave them, and they're coming out of the pandemic, you would think that the number one responsibility, the number one job, nay, the number one priority of this company would be, let's entice these people back to the movies. They slash show times and they raise prices. They were the first major theater chain to cave to studio demands to shorten the theatrical window. And now they are leading the way in creating a tiered ticket price system that does not benefit smaller films because the smaller films are still going to be charged. They're exorbitant, out-of-control high prices. It's just that for movies like The Batman, we're going to charge you even more exorbitantly high prices. When Cineworld just showed when you give a price attraction people still want to come and that higher prices are keeping them away as per the story in variety adam aaron's next brilliant stroke of leadership is for a spacecraft filled with adamantium to fall to the ground and he can take it and invest it in amc stock and he raises prices again i Guys, I have been the biggest cheerleader in the world for the theatrical experience. Nobody loves the movie-going experience more than me. I have been its champion for a long time. I will argue for it. I will fight for it. I will. It is a better experience. Watching a movie in a theater the way a movie filmmaker meant it to be seen, it cannot be duplicated. It is the best movie-going experience. But I am telling you right now, the theatrical movie-going experience is doomed as long as people, incompetent buffoons, like guys like Adam Aaron, are in predominant places of leadership in the industry he is leading this industry off a cliff and here's the other thing too since amc is doing it now all the other chains are going to follow suit they're all going to follow suit it's the blind leading the blind and i've been saying for so long this industry can survive this industry can thrive this you just got to get the people back into the theaters give them what they need give them a positive experience and then you got guys like adam aaron and the current regime at amc theaters that continues to try to find creative ways to deter people from coming back to the movies so fuck them. And that breaks my heart. AMC Theaters is my favorite movie theater chain. It's my favorite. We just went to go see Batman at AMC Theaters yesterday. And the presentation was gorgeous. Beautiful. The AMC Prime Theater is a revelation. The AMC A-List is a fabulous program to the thing. There's so many things I love about AMC. But, yeah, I'm distraught. I'm vexed, Rob. I couldn't tell. I am very vexed. Anyway, Rob, you're hearing about all this. Your thoughts on all of it. I, too, am a fan of the movie 
theater industry. I think that, you know, we as, as human beings have to decide what is it that makes life great? Existence at all is great. I always say on my show, each one of us in the cosmic infinitude of the universe, there's only one of each of us in all of that. The Dr. Manhattan speech he gives in the Watchmen comic. We're all unique. We're the most valuable resource in the universe. But what makes life worth living? Well, when you can enjoy things, and I am a big fan of what human beings create once we're here. Art, you know, music, paintings, novels, whatever, basket weaving. My favorite art of choice is motion pictures. And my entire life going into a theater and seeing images and seeing all the different art forms that come together to make movies, uh, writ large in the big screen, is something that I live for. That experience is something that's been with me since I was a child. I think it enriches my life. I think it enriches the lives of other people. And what we are doing in our society is denigrating all these forms to make them the easiest consumable way possible. You know, ah, we'll just deliver it on a little screen. Don't, all I need to know is what happens in the movie theater or what happens in the story so I can watch on my phone at the gym. Look, you go see this movie last night, the experience of seeing it in that theater is overwhelming. You feel as a human being, you feel things that you would not feel if you're watching something on a television screen. You're fe literally feeling when the Batmobile turns on and you feel the revving of that engine, it's overwhelming. You can't get that, that experience anywhere else but in a movie theater with great projection and great sound. If that experience goes away, and everybody wants it to, because it all costs. We we in our in our pursuit of profit, we are taking away some of the great things that make life worth living. At the end of the day, what is the point of being rich if you're not enriched? And I think that's what we're doing across the board in our civilization. And uh, it's not just movie theaters that are going to go off a cliff. It is what it means to be a human being is being diminished. Just saying. You guys have anything you want to <laughs> add to this? I don't want to throw it to you uh, when you don't, but I, I don't know. Any, th any thoughts? I'm just going to play devil's advocate here. Sure. Now, I, too, disagree with this. I, too, believe that life is beautiful and we should be celebrating art and we all should have the opportunity to do so. That's the part I take issue with. <laughs> <laughs> And, and yes, I, I do think that um, that Adam Aaron, his decisions since taking over have absolutely driven AMC's uh, desirability as a company into the ground. And um, I, I would be livid if I were a stockholder and I would be livid if I were one of the 30,000 people who got laid off while he was giving himself a massive raise. The guy seriously needs to go. That being said. Uh oh. No one ever said it was show friends. Everyone always said it was show business. And Rob, you are the number one person who says that. And I think that there is something to be said about paying a premium for seeing entertainment the way that you want to see it. Now, granted, sitting, you know, 100%. If you're sitting in a theater, you should be able to have the same experience, whether you're sitting in the, you know, middle or if you're sitting way in the back. I completely get that. But just like if I want to go and see the Super Bowl in person, I'm going to pay thousands and thousands of dollars when I can just watch it for free, uh, you know, on, on network television at my house and my, on my couch and not have to pay for all the snacks. And an argument could, you could be made with that example that you could actually enjoy the Super Bowl more. Exactly. 
So the what I what I would understand is if he said, hey, listen, for a movie like the Batman that is so popular that we know that we are going to be inundated for the first two weeks that we're showing the, the Batman. If you want to be one of the first people in line to see it, we're going to charge a premium for that because those are really sought after tickets and it's really and, and, and everybody wants if you want if you, if it is so important to you to be in on the discussion the minute the movie comes out then that is going to have a premium but after two weeks we're going to drop it back down to normal prices is if he's saying that in perpetuity if three months from now the batman is going to have a pri have a have ultimate you know a higher ticket price that I disagree with and again i'm not saying that i like this i'm not saying that i support it i'm just saying from a business person's perspective i understand how this could be a good move i love your idea about saying hey these movies that have been in the theater for you know two months now before they fall off we're going to sell them to you at a discounted price i love that idea and if there were a checks and balances system like that i think that this would be a bit more palatable but the issue that I'm hearing and the issue that I also see while understanding the pragmatic capitalist business decision that raising a, t a ticket price for a premium ticket is, um, at the end of the day, all people are hearing is, oh, wait, you're charging more? Wait, I already can watch it in a few months, at, you know, at my house for the, for free. Let me let me let me just say one thing that because you raise a great point about it ain't show friends, it's show business. Right. Uh, my main problem with this, because like the Super Bowl, for every one ticket sold, there were three hundred people that wanted that ticket. My my main problem with it, speaking in terms of good business, is this: the number one problem that the movie theater industry is facing is a year-over-year -year decline of people who actually come to the movie theaters. It has been proven by the study in Variety and by the little experiment done by Cineworld that one of the main obstacles and one of the main causes for people coming, fewer and fewer people coming every year to the movie theater has been the constant increasing of prices and the cost of going is the biggest determinant. Biggest problem for the theater industry, less people are coming. Main reason less people are coming, you're charging too much for your tickets. I would propose and put forward that it's decisions like this are bad for business sure. and are actually going to do the opposite of its intended effect. And it's actually going to drive more and more people away because I got a lot of messages today from people saying, well, Batman comes out on uh, HBO Max in 45 days. Guess I'm waiting. Mm-hmm. And that's good. So I would actually say it's actually bad for If it no. was good for business, I would agree. As, as a reminder, I did start this out by saying that Adam Aaron has got to go. Yeah. He's but, making really bad decisions. I'm saying I understand the principle, the process, the, the principle and the yeah. thought process. But here's the thing we all know where the money is made. The money ain't made in the tickets, the money's made in the popcorn. So why don't you? I mean, I swear to God. Get more people into some more popcorn. Yeah. Not just popcorn. <laughs> They sell sushi at Yankee Stadium, okay? <laughs> Yankee Stadium understands that when people go to watch a baseball game, they're not there for the baseball. They're there for the experience. So why don't you give me some? I am a foodie. Mm -hmm. I, like, if you actually could give me, I would pay $18 for an amazing burger. Like, I would get to the theater earlier. 
to pay $18 for a really great burger because there's nothing I like better. Oh, I would rather have a burger than spend time with my newborn son. So what I'm saying is like, why is it still the same garbage of pretzel, popcorn, and jujubes? They're working on, on it. They're, yeah, they're dying in but, theaters now. I'm cheap and, as hell. I sat down uh, next to Rob last night and pulled out my fruit leather. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I pay a premium. Like the only theater I go to anymore, unless John Campia is paying for it, like he is this Friday when he buys us our tickets to go see the Batman, because I'm not paying for that. Right, you are. Right. Uh, yeah, I paid for it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. The only time, the only theater that I will go get that I will go see a movie in is my favorite Alamo Draft House. Why? Uh, I don't care. You could charge me $50 a ticket. I don't care. I'll pay it. Not because I'm rich, but because that's the kind of premium experience I want. But that being said, you know, that's a very specific experience. And I they're don't giving think, you something no one else gives you. Right, exactly. Fried AMC pickle. is not saying, hey, we're going to, because I could go watch the Batman at Alamo Draft House. It's not like AMC has a monopoly on the Batman, do they? No, no, right. they do not. Here you go. So here's the thing. I'm going, well, wait a minute. If I'm going to spend $25 to go see the Batman at AMC and all I'm going to get is some salted pretzel and some flat Coke, why would I not go to Alamo Draft House where I can order a margarita mm -hmm. and some shrimp tacos mm -hmm. and a molten lava cake? Mm -hmm. And if anybody texts when they're like in they the theater, kicked they the get kicked the fuck out. Oh. Like that's the kind of, I'm Come willing to pay Texas. a premium for that experience. So my question for you, Adam Aaron, is besides just being able to be the first people who get to see this movie or get to see this movie in general, what else are you offering at AMC well, to charge this premium? I also want to point out what he's doing is he's going after his most loyal yeah. customers. Yes, yeah. that's I the first thing. He's punishing people who are, loyal yeah. who are the actual people yeah. who I love how you put it. You're he's punishing them yeah. being loyal to that, AMC. That is yeah. exactly right. And when I heard when I heard this, I'm like, so me and all the people that we saw at that 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 fan screening last night all of us that will show up opening night that give you those box office numbers that help you support the theater for the rest of the time when you're not opening an a-list studio picture you're going after those people you're going after your most loyal customers the people that are signing up for your a-list which is found money for you or whatever you're going after them simply because you can and I feel that, again, that's something that is happening across the board. Eventually, our society is going to collapse by every single industry taking advantage of their most loyal customers. It's gross. And it's not sustainable. Yeah. Chris, and like you said, you wanna... John, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, when you said people are, t people are writing you, these loyal customers are now saying, well, I'll wait 45 days. I won't go to the theater. Yeah. Chris? I mean, I don't have much to add here. You guys covered most of it. Plus, I, you know, Key and Peeled his name. I was like, Aaron Aaron. A um, <laughs> I was like, that's a Texas thing, right? Right? As I botched that. But it just feels like he watched Ricky Bobby and really took everything to heart. Um, yeah. You're not first, you're last. So get in here, nerds, and I'm going to take your money. <laughs> Yeah. It's not a great business. My model. favorite thing in the chat just now, the Hookman777 said, Don't get the sushi at Yankee Stadium. My buddy used to work there. And if you had the wrong team hat on, you'd get special sushi. <gasps> Thank you. Good to, yes, good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> anyway, guys, sorry for the rant. Um, yeah. What do that you was guys a good think? one. Though. We love those. Yeah. yeah. What do you guys think about this whole situation? Good business, bad business, whatever your guys' thoughts are, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, with all that down, let's now go over and start taking your live comments and questions, shall we? We've got a lot to get through, so we're going to go pretty quick here. So, Chris, 
What do we got lined up here? We got Gabriel Barreto just sending in some support. Thank you so much, Gabriel. Thank you so much, man. Diego Pena, one of four. What do you think of Toby SM possibly being part of the MCU Illuminati? He didn't seem surprised to be in a new universe in No Way Home. Maybe he brought himself and Andrew Spider-Man to that universe instead of Doctor Strange's spell, unknown to Andrew Spider-Man. He said he'd been looking for Tom Spider-Man because he felt he needed help, which seems strange to me at the time, especially since Andrew Spider-Man was so amazed by the multiverse. But if he's part of the group... Uh, and we can't find it. Oh, there it is. You read off the screen okay. there. That watches over things multiverse in MCU. It makes more sense. If you're going to build an MCU Illuminati, Tom McGuire is an obvious candidate. Is he, though? Like, when you look at the Illuminati in, in the Marvel comic books... Like you are talking about the the superior of of the leaders, the leaders, if yeah. you will. I don't know that Spider Man fits in to that sort of thing. If but you, if you made him superior Spider Man, and it was Ox Brain inside his body, which could be too convoluted for this film, but who's <laughs> to say? But I mean, that could work. Otherwise, you know, youth pastor popping up on the Illuminati. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> By the way, and and just again, the whole idea. It, it was explained how he was there mm -hmm. in Spider-Man No Way Home. So they would have to contradict that. So listen, yeah. am I going to rule it out as an impossibility? No. I think there's a better chance of a Tobey Maguire returning in some way, shape, or form than there is for an Andrew Garfield, to be honest. So, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't write it off, but I don't think that's what they're going to do. Great theory, though, Diego. Well said, man. All right, what's next? James Argenta. I liked Batman, did not love it. I would have liked it more if the film was more compact for a 140 to 160 minute runtime instead of 176 minutes uh, film WB chose to show. See, my issue, when I say it felt too long, it's not that a three-hour movie is too long. If, if your movie and the things that happen in it and the pacing of it make it require a full three hours, great, or go longer. I, I mean, that's fine. To me, I felt like this movie could have been tightened up a bit and made a bit shorter, maybe should have been a bit a bit shorter. Uh, and listen, the fact that you liked it but didn't love it, that's okay, man. Like, these movies hits us all in different ways. We all have different experiences with them. That was yours. Nothing wrong with that, James. Thanks for sharing your thoughts, man. All right, what's next? Andy loved the Batman and the detective noir of it. It was like reading The Long Halloween. That ain't Twilight Boy. That's motherfucking Batman. That Listen, I'll tell you what. Yeah, Twilight Boy no more. That's That's Batman. Like it or not. That's Batman. Now, I'm totally sure once we see Michael Keaton on screen again as Batman, we're going to love his iteration of Batman. It will be different, but we're going to like it. I'm sure it's going to be great to see Ben Affleck uh, on there again, and we're going to love it, but it'll be different. But yeah, this is uh, our uh, our Batman now. All right, I think we missed one from Hoser Miaz. That was a little bit lower there. Oh, that's what I've got next on mine. Okay. Uh, why no Court of Owls in the Batman? No Court of Owls yet. Why no <laughs> Supergirl in Batman? Why no Mr. Mixelplix in Batman? Yeah. Well, why don't we have Mr. Freeze yet? The question isn't why not. The question is why. Where was Pamela Isley? Yeah, this was one story. It's like, why no Scarecrow in Batman? Well, they didn't. That this what that wasn't the story they were telling. They were telling Riddler's story in this one, and that's why. All right, what's next? Steel Smith. The Batman was great. Not gonna lie, in, not going to lie. The plot was a little confusing to me. Dano though sends chills down my neck. Better than the Joker, in my opinion. I don't. If I'll say he's better than the Joker, but if you're going to compare him to Heath Ledger's Joker, this is a darker villain. 
Uh, I mean, they're, they're very different characters. I'm not putting one above the other, but, but I, I think I feel Rob is it safe to say he was a darker villain. And a, yeah, and a, a more topical and more. Ter I think he was more terrifying. The Joker was a little bit more fun. I kind of was on Joker's side sometimes. You know, <laughs> I'm like, you know, little chaos never hurt anybody, right? Mystic lifestyle Where, of yours. Whereas no, but this Joker, his Joker was. I mean, his Riddler was terrifying, and uh, I have to say. Uh, when his plan it's chilling chilling especially the mm -hmm. the end people thought the third act i was like the third act got really chilling and weirdly plausible and i'm like uh and weirdly plausible uh, yes. i don't want to that's be, what uh, i didn't like about where it was i this is the darkest timeline yeah and uh, i don't know about this yeah it was yeah okay what do you got next i've got sidious i've got wait, christian no. 30 12 91. i'll just read off your screen sure yay christian 301291 just read rock was first cast as black adam in 2007 marvel including thor 4 released 29 movies and six shows before the black <laughs> adam movie releases this july i tell you what, i still remember when i was at CinemaCon and dwayne the rock johnson came out and they announced i'm gonna be black adam soon the dc universe will be underneath my boot and all this kind of stuff is like okay you know aaron's had a kid since i mean it's just <laughs> it's just been it's been a while lots happened by the way they showed that dc 2022 trailer before the batman yes they did uh, pretty so, cool on the so big screen dude it was so, so rad good. seeing hawkman unfurled in all of his glory and dr fate and seeing black adam Come like on. the trailer was already good online but seeing it on the big screen yeah, it everything's on better vibe. on the big screen john everything all right what's next all right, Andy, one of three. Now that you've seen the Batman, would you say it was worth losing Ben Affleck's Batman and his ideas for it? To me, it's like having to move on from a sweet, uh, from a sweet and wonderful hot ex-girlfriend. <laughs> the current girlfriend may be smoking hot and smart as hell, but you can't help but wonder how things could have been with the sexy ex if things went differently <laughs> regardless you have to find solace with the past move on and be grateful for what you currently have you know what i it's so impossible bad for your to girlfriend say. right now right like, you're gonna get dumped I, andy yeah i hope she doesn't watch the show i ben affleck's batman is you know i i've loved it and i've always wanted to see him direct it and stuff like that and and asking the question was it worth losing this for this well this is a, a different thing because we don't live in the world unlike current girlfriends you don't have to choose between one or the other. And, you know, girls are so close-minded that way. They don't let you just have Not a Not if you live the lifestyle, you know. I mean, yeah. Have a conversation. What lifestyle is wow. that, Chris? Yeah, totally. Oh, my gosh. That. If you're into, you know, a polyamorous relationship. Okay. And you should consent to that in every way, shape, and form and have a great conversation about it. And this. that's what Batman is. Yeah, yeah I'm too psycho for that. Our relationship no, with I'm... Batman as fans is a beautifully open relationship. We can have several iterations of Batman. We can enjoy Ben's Batman tonight and then go enjoy Robert's Batman tomorrow. And no, I'm not using the word Batman as a euphemism. I'm just saying no. you can enjoy one, then another, and then have a third the it's, next day. It's the Hannah Montana of Batman. So you can get the best of both worlds. <laughs> and all those Batmans do different things to you in different ways. Yes, again, so, I feel like now we're still drifting into polyamory. I'm just enjoying all of this. <laughs> just saying you don't <laughs> have to it for later. just one. All right, what's next? All right, from Steel Smith. The Batman was great. Not going to lie, the plot was a little Oh, we already, sorry, we already had, you already read off his. I did this That's one? right, yes, yeah, sorry about that. Um, City Swift, Rob, would you be familiar with and or have a physical copy of A Dandy in Aspic? No. I do not have a physical copy of that. I, I'm not. A I'm not even aware of it. Dapper gentleman in gelatin? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> what? What is this? 
I was thinking, is that a French comic that I don't know? I don't. It's a I don't, Julia Child recipe. I, I, yeah, no. <laughs> I am a dandy in aspic. Yeah, you are. <laughs> All right, what's I next? I just see see Robin at Jello Gold. That's right. All right, like in the office. Ah, uh, he's, he's an office virgin no longer. Cutter Hale. The Batman was everything I wanted. I'm blown away. Such a great movie. My one problem is that the movie has three endings. Can't wait to see if see it again. Bullet Train looks awesome. Take my money now. Um, I felt a little bit of that. I, I like. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, there were a couple of moments where the film could have ended there and kept going, but I didn't think it was terribly pronounced. I, I think that was a problem. What about you, Rob? Well, I mean, it had it had six it it, it 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 had three endings. Well, that's six endings less than Return of the King had. So yes, we're winning. <laughs> so we're still ahead. All right, what's next? All right, from Cincinnati's five star barber. In the words of Rob, bruh, the Batman was phenomenal. Affleck is still my favorite Batman, but no more twat, boy, because Pattinson did the damn thing. Best Batman movie ever, in my opinion. Um, I'm, I'm, I try the day after not to make too many grand pronouncements about movies that I see, um, and, and, you know, bestow best this, best that, but like, it took me a while to say arcane best animated, my favorite anime show of all time. Took me a little while to say that. And I don't want to jump up and down. So don't hold me to this. I think I liked it more than Man of Steel. Now, I, I now give let, give me a second he viewing. Mean it, Henry. And, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Henry Cavill is a little <laughs> cardboard tear falls down his face in the background over there. But now again, give me a few days. Give me a few days. Give me, <clears> I, I may change my mind on that, but I liked it that much. Right. But you know what the great thing is, is like, I think it's we always have that impulse, which is better. But what I, I think is we can enjoy them for their on their own terms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I think yeah. that's the most important thing. People are always ask, well, is it better than The Dark Knight? It, it's different than The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight provides a different kind of experience. This film, this film is far more of a 1940s noir horror film than it is a Batman movie that we're used to. Whereas The Dark Knight is much more pulp comic booky batman even though it also is set in the real world this film is straight up horror yeah all right what's next all right uh sam fisher one of two congrats aaron on the episode of the rookie thank you yes. and for being the highest rated episode of the season what i do have a question about pics for photo id what oh yeah photo ids all the pictures um, of the photo so, id uh like licenses and mug shots does the production do stuff like that in-house or does your representation sort of have to do that stuff on file oh because yeah, there's a moment in the new episode for those of you who don't know aaron's on the newest episode of the rookie with nathan fillion and the first time we see her is actually her id and I think that's what they're asking about. So was that your actual ID or was that one that they created no, for you? No, and this is what always happens. And it drives me crazy because you don't necessarily always know that there's going to be an insert shot of your mug shot or an insert of your ID. And then the day before or maybe a couple days before you start filming, you usually go for a fitting. And maybe depending on what you know your hair looks like, <laughs> they might want to do a hair or makeup test. And it's kind of you just roll in there. Maybe you've showered that day. You're it's not a you're not going to work. You're just showing up, trying on some clothes. They take a couple Polaroids or now they're like, you know, on their phone and they get texted to the uh, producers for approvals. But those never see the light of day. 
And then every once in a while, somebody would be like, hey, we need to take a mugshot for the show. And like, what, what, no, 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 I had Because you roll in there looking like a troll, you know? And <laughs> well, there's supposed to be a mugshot. Right. Well, but like, gorgeous when you were but not even, your crown. not even just a mugshot, okay? Like, here's the thing. Jane Fonda's mugshot, gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Frank Sinatra's mugshot, awesome. Jimi Hendrix's mugshot, sexy. That's the kind of mugshot that this character, who is a madam, would have had. But this wasn't a mugshot. This was an ID, even more so. If you guys saw my driver's license photo, you would know for those kind of pictures, you you, you kind of bring it. It's but glam. It's glam. I didn't. Um, no, you don't want to show it. Yeah, don't show it. Anyway, I'll show it to you afterwards. But yeah, uh, it's always the ID shots are always literally they just go, oh, can you just stand against that wall? Click. And you're like, what just happened? And then that's the one that gets shown to 17 million viewers, which is fine. You know, but, it's just it's always a funny thing that they spring it on you. And so I had to let my ego about that go a long time ago, <laughs> which clearly I am still working on doing that. By the way, I remember because you weren't telling me anything about the episode. And I remember saying, well, because you brought up the Enterprise episode once. And I said, I said, well, is it anything like your role in, in Star Trek where you were prostitute number one? And, right. uh, and, say, and you just kind of yeah. looked at me. I'm like, oh, my God, you are. But you are the madam. You're like the commander. Well, so I you played prostitute number one on Star Trek Enterprise. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the I, I played um, uh, Miss Kitty, a prostitute on Masters of Sex. And I know I played a, a sex worker on something else. I can't remember. But so when I got this job, I called my parents and I said, well, I have finally aged out of prostitute and aged into madam. And my dad goes, well, that's where all the money's made anyway. So good for you. So, yes, I am now a uh, now playing the madam. All right, what's next? All right, Rolando uh, Jess Pearson? Sorry sure. if I said your name wrong. One of five. My dad introduced me to films. I remember growing up, the first movie I watched was Toy Story 2 in San Antonio, Texas. Woo woo! Then Rami Spider-Man, Star Wars, and eventually Batman. Before the pandemic started, we were so excited to watch the Batman. We went to watch The Lighthouse on March the 5th. I was afraid I would lose him to COVID. Ooh. Due to COVID, he doesn't live in the same city anymore, so I don't get to watch films with him that often anymore. Two years later, we watched Toby again in No Way Home on my birthday. And there we go. There we go. It was like reliving my childhood with him. We have tickets booked for March 5th. Nothing in the world makes me happier than getting to watch a movie we were anticipating so much. He suggested I watch The Godfather, and I was convinced by you guys too. This is my first time tipping. I'm just thankful for I'm I'm just thankful storytelling is a shared experience. Late happy birthday and bring on the filthy. Well, thank you for writing that in, Ronaldo. And listen, we talk about it all the time on here that movies are at their core and at their best shared experiences. That's when they're best, and they create those bonded memories. Like I remember every movie that I've watched with my parents since since becoming an adult I, I remember every single one it's one of my favorite things when i go home is going to a movie with my family and all kind of stuff i remember who i exactly who i saw uh, my friend when i went to go see the first lord of the rings film obviously i talk a lot about seeing tim burton's batman with my buddy brendan and all that they create those moments and the fact that you've got a parent who introduced you to your love of filmmaking and now you've got these things coming in now that you get to have those shared experiences again even though there's distance 
I think that is an amazing thing, and it speaks to the power of the experience, an experience that Adam Aaron is trying to ruin for everybody. But before he does that, <laughs> Damn it, Ronaldo, you get those experiences in, and you have them, and that's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing it with us, man. I really appreciate it. It puts a smile on my face, dude. All right, what's next? Michael Crossan, update on Batman's age rating story in Belfast. We heard about this. Local council overturns 15 rating and agrees to rate the Batman 15A in Belfast. Seeing it on Saturday. Interesting what does that thing. mean? Okay, so long and the short of it is, is that, uh, I, I forget how, how the distinction between the two Ireland. There's one Ireland that's in the UK, and then there's the Republic of Ireland. There's the Republic right? of Ireland, now, yeah. Now, in the UK, they rated the Batman 15, which means, which is harder than an R, because it means if you are under 15, you cannot get in to see it, even with an adult. You just can't see it. But in the UK, it's handled a little bit differently. The government has nothing to do with age with uh, with ratings of movies in North America, but they can be in the UK. And so, some theaters owner took it to city council in this city and said, "Look, it's ridiculous that our, p these people can't come see the movie with their kids, and when they can just drive across the border and see it there." Because the Republic of Ireland had 15A, which means if you're under 15, you can see it if you're with an adult. Okay. So they took it to city council and petitioned for that. It looked like it failed. Turns out it passed, and now if you are if you are 14 in the UK and your dad wants to take you to see Batman, now you can. You get to see uh, some skull crushing. You get to see lots of crushed skulls. Can you imagine if you're on the city council and you have like a 14-year-old son and you couldn't, <laughs> like, they did it for the kids, man. They, they did, did it, for, it the for the kids. Well, they also did it for the tax dollars. Because they're like, oh, okay, so we're intentionally driving money away from... Yeah, okay, they so, take yeah, revenue out of the city? Yeah. yeah, that doesn't seem smart. All right, what's next? All right. Uh, CMG2491, John and crew saw the Batman last night with three of my friends, and nice. we were all amazed. Matt Reeves did a fantastic job, and Pattinson is my new fave Batman. Can't wait to see it again, which will be tomorrow. Nice, and we're not going to see it again until Friday. Friday. And listen, I am fat. Not only was this a great Batman movie, it was a great first movie. It was a great first movie because I can now not wait to see how this Batman evolves. Because again, this is Batman only in his second year of being Batman. And the way this movie ends, it's like, I'm dying to see where he goes now with this, with the experiences that he has in this movie. It's going to be great to see. I'm glad you guys had a good time, CMG. I hope you have an even better time at it tomorrow, my friend. And John, the end of this movie really teaches you that friendship is magic. Friendship is magic, Rob. Yeah. Oh my gosh, when there's that beautiful rainbow and everyone joins hands it's and they so all good. share a Coke. I mean, it made me almost want to become a brony. Wait, oh so uh, so just out of curiosity, I mean, you guys have probably talked about this, but Matt Reeves and and uh, Pattinson have, um, you know, become buddies again, right? Because there was so, wasn't there like some conflict and they didn't necessarily get along? Well, that was reported. So, like, that was bullshit. Yeah, oh, it was? It, it, oh, yeah, it was. yeah, that was utter bullshit. That Good that to was, know. Yeah. Right, I can't next? imagine that they would have a cantankerous relationship no. making this movie. You'd have to be waiting right. to see it. What's okay. next? Mr. McGuire. The Batman was amazing. The fear he instilled was awesome. The sound design was spectacular. IMAX is the only way I'll see this again. Breathtaking. I, I mean, I think it would be even better in uh, Dolby Prime, to be honest with you. But yes, it, that the, the IMAX presentation was absolutely fantastic. Loved it. Couldn't agree with you more, Mr. McGuire. All right, what's next? Cara Black sending in a $20 super chat. Oh, thank chat. you, Cara. Incredible and master storytelling by Matt Reeves with this absolutely thrilling Batman story. I'm very conflicted if this above the Dark Knight, if this is above the Dark Knight, and for just one film, Robert Pattinson is now my favorite live-action Batman. Again, that's why I don't like to come out of things make pronouncements after just watching you like you just had your experience 
I mean, your last... I choose to employ the filter between my mind and my Thank mouth. Thank you. So I saw that thought bubble above your head, and I am glad that you pulled it back in. I saw it. My head. All I'm saying is, like, we are uh, recent bias. You know, we have we have that a little bit. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a little bit of time. And again, to me, it's not about whether it's as good as The Dark Knight or not. What is it on its own? And it was fantastic. And it's a very different movie, but yeah, Kara, I mean, it was such a great experience. I'm glad you loved it that much. I'm glad that he is your new favorite Batman. I mean, that just means you had a great experience watching the movie, as did we, and I cannot wait to have that experience again. Thanks for sharing, Kara. And again, thanks for supporting our channel on that level. All right, what's next? Andy Newton, I loved Batman. Yes, too long, but I loved it. Yeah, again, like, like I said earlier, this is the perfect Batman movie. It doesn't mean the movie is perfect. But again, if you are designing the DNA of what a Batman movie should be, this is it. This is what the DNA... It doesn't mean they perfectly executed every little detail about it, but the DNA blueprint of what this movie should be, it's perfection to me. Like I, it, Rob, this is the first time I've ever seen Batman where, it was to me, it really felt like Batman was jumping off the comic book page, at least the, you know, the comics that I've read, jumped off the comic book page and actually came to life for the first time. It was a different aspect of what we've seen on screen. Yes. I mean, they went into a different direction, which I'm there for it. I mean, you know, if anything, as much as I don't like the movie very much, I think I would equate this to being like in the James Bond franchise, you went from Casino Royale to Skyfall. That's kind of what I see with this. All right, next up. All right, from Josh Kahn. Saw the Batman at IMAX last night. It was amazing for three-fourths, but that final act felt like a fourth act slash second climax to a different movie. A very good eight out of 10. I get different. You, th This is a common theme you're going to hear from a lot of the critics right now. It's like, amazing, amazing, amazing. Ah, the ending may be a little bit shaky. Yeah, for some people, the ending is going to be a bit shaky. Somebody else just mentioned that it kind of felt like it was a third ending to the film. But and you it's going to come across that way to some people, and I as well was not thrilled with the 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 last 15 minutes or so but by that point yeah. the movie was already established as absolutely brilliant i, I just thought it was that, just a little pacing i don't think that it was out of place but that's just me but they set up they set it up in the opening literally the opening scene of the movie sets up the end of the movie mm -hmm. yeah I, again i just don't i just didn't feel like they executed it great but that's mm. that's just still a, I loved an amazing it. phenomenal like and you're gonna get people like rob that the ending worked perfectly people like me is like eh, maybe the ending could have been done a little bit better but overall the movie is just fantastic all right what's next all right from diego pena oh wait no we did that one and we did andy comic nizer was the acting in batman spot on i think yeah. we can all say absolutely yeah. it's unbelievable i, I didn't so see good. a weak link no i even even catwoman's friend and i won't give any details even her mm -hmm. the couple she's like like my God, she's doing so good. The supporting roles, the coroner, like oh everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that it's got yeah. Were the twins, uh, the Carver the, twins? The Wonder Twin Oh, I thought you said the Wonder Twins. The twins were the twins awesome. Were great. Okay, so I love these guys. I never, I, I, Sorry, I never. Who? Who the Carver the twins. twins, Max Carver, twins. and um, I forget they? the other. They, they're uh, the doormen at, at the club. Oh yes, 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 yes. And yes. one of them, I, I, it's not Max. It's the, uh, it's his brother was in um, Ratchet. And he was so good. And like every time I see him, I'm like, I swear I know. And they were both in Teen Wolf. And like they always just pop up in cool things. They what was great about them is this is why, again, why I love movies. They their their interplay, the way they had a methodology, like one would open the door 
and they have to shut the door and then go get the other that's guy. Not getting, that's not to describe things that well, happened in the movie. It was just really good. I mean, it's just okay. a subtle thing, but it I was really good. I just thought that good. they were, I just, when I, when I was on IMDb, I saw that they were both in it and I was like, oh, that's exciting. So, because I really like them. I think they're really good actors. I just thought that and, was an interesting choice. I wonder if they came up with that, if that was- I'm sure script, they did. If that was scripted or they cast them and made it that way. Mm-hmm. All right, what's next? Uh, right from Al Renshaw. Oh, wait, no, Glenn Mark. Missed getting in movie club super chats yesterday. So here's three of the ones I was going to share. Then I'm going to reply, uh, replay the Lego games. <laughs> All right, so part two. I forgot how humorous this film was throughout. Yeah. I loved the little monkeys. Hell, Hitler. So freaking funny and cute. You can't often say that. Yeah, I was going to say, this is <laughs> Hell, Hitler's so cute. All right. Indy, why the monkey? Marion, how can you say that? She's got your looks. Indy, <laughs> and your brains. Marion, I noticed that. She's very smart. The progression from Marcus arriving from Marcus arriving at Indy's door to Indy's room in packing to hearing about Marion for the first time is about a two-minute cut. You know, that's true. That's like kind of one uncut scene. Yep. I never even thought oh, about yeah. that as we were doing the uh, as we were doing the club yesterday. That's a really, really it's good It's also a tour de force of learning how to block a scene. Yes. I think there's only one insert when he throws the gun and into the... And then as, as, as uh, Marcus starts going on that beautiful kind of solo thing about talking about it's unlike anything we've gone after before, mankind has been searching for the, lo- for the lost ark for 3,000 years. They So they've done this great blocking and the moving, the one continuous shot, and then that slow push in on him as he starts talking about the arc and everything, right? Like, that was great. Anyway, sorry you missed out on uh, on Movie Club yesterday, but guys, do make sure you join us for Movie Clubs because they're, we're having a lot of fun doing them. I want you guys to join us for that. All right, what's next? All right, now, El Renshaw, it's like AMC wants to encourage people not to come. It really does, and that's the confusing thing about it, Al. All right, what's next? Diga Pena, with the chemistry written into the script for Morbius and Loki, in Loki, do you think it's possible that Morbius could be a variant Thor? No. No, I, I don't see them doing that at all, Rob. No. Yeah. I mean, look, of course, we're, we're in the MCU. Any, anything is possible. If you want to talk about probabilities, not possibilities, I, I think the idea, Diego, I mean, I like the way you're imagining it, but I, I really don't see that being a possibility here. All right, what's next? Cody Hunt went with a friend to see the Batman who's never seen any marketing. Oh, nice. Walking out, I say, Robert Pattinson was great. She goes, that was Robert Pattinson? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, to your point, Rob, that you made earlier, the, the majority of this film, he's in the cowl. Yeah. And when he's not, he's often pretty dirty. Yeah. And I'm telling you, that alien gaze, he's just disconnected from his own humanity. It's it's, Dude, that scene that was in the clip they released when they're at the funeral, the memorial service, and he's just looking up to the balcony and he's there's the figure up in the balcony, that stare that he does, like, oh man, this dude gets it. This dude totally gets it. All right, what's next? All right, Stephanie Mitchell sending in a $20 super chat. Thank you, Stephanie. Hi, John, Chris, Rob, and Ray. And Aaron. Aaron. Hi. Did any of you guys read the prequel book to The Batman? It's so good, and it made some things in the movie stand out for me. Glad you guys enjoyed it. I'm going again Thursday night. I still haven't. I need to. Okay, so I'm going to tell you guys one detail. It's completely unimportant to the movie, completely unimportant to the movie. You find out about it. It's just a little information drop. It's it's not spoiling anything. So we were told before from the prequel comic and prequel novel that the Batcave was actually an abandoned train station and all that kind of stuff. To which I thought to myself, well, that's kind of weird before seeing the movie that that Batman would have his Batcave removed from Wayne Manor. Like, doesn't make sense. 
when you see the movie, you realize there is no Wayne Manor. At least not in the movie. He is literally living in Wayne Tower. That's in the middle of the city. That's where he lives. And so then it makes total sense that his bat cave is actually, if you're not out in the countryside, you got the old abandoned train station. So then it made total sense. No, haven't read the novel yet. I haven't read the, the prequel comic yet, but I, I heard from a lot of people. It's great. I do have to pick it up. Rob, did you ever get on those? No, I haven't yet? looked at the, the no. The simple answer is no. I'd like to read that book, though. Yeah. 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 All right. What's next? Thank you um, again, Stephanie, for supporting us on that level. So from Matt, did you get tired or bird, bored during the whole three hours, Ray? I can tell you Ray did never we? fell asleep. Yeah. I don't believe you. He never did. Now, granted, he he drank some alcohol, he took in some sugar, he went to Chipotle, got some spicy food beforehand. He had a he method. he made it the whole way through. Made it absolutely the whole and way through. And he didn't through. have to poop? No, he didn't leave That's once. a lot going he, on He there. didn't leave to go to the bathroom or anything <laughs> either. a lot going on there. A lot going on there. Yeah. All right, what's next? From John Redcorn, in my opinion, the Craven film is starting to feel more like Succession with superpowers, <laughs> especially since the main character in it is Craven's family. I'm excited. I mean, look, who knows what they're going to say? Like, whatever the connections between certain characters are, they may take a lot of liberties with that. We don't know. But I'm telling you what, I, I, I've seen nothing but reasons to be optimistic about Craven so far. And, you know, listen, if they totally drop the ball with Morbius, maybe I'll be a little bit more dubious. But... They haven't let me down with the with the Venom movies. I like the Venom movies quite a bit. And so I've and I've liked what I've seen some from Morbius so far. I mean, it's almost upon us. We're less than a month away from Morbius finally. So uh we'll see, but I'm with you on that, John. And Red Succession Point. with superpowers, not bad. That would yeah. actually be pretty yeah. cool. Anytime you're comparing anything to Succession, I think that's uh you you're you're in a, a, a good you're but in a good That's what Jupiter's legacy was supposed to be. Too bad. Yeah, it didn't work out mm, so well. No. But Shiv with lasers coming out of her eyes, Ooh, yeah. which it kind of felt like several times say, in the show she did There that. aren't? I yeah, know, right? I, know, I feel right? like that's already part of the show. show. All right, what's next? All right, from Assistant Professor X, Marvel Studios 2005. Feige hears Peyton Reed's pitch for Fantastic Four that is set in the 1960s while at Fox and recommends him for Iron Man. 20, to be continued. Okay. I mean, I don't know if that's true or if you're theorizing there, but I mean, again, the fact that he brought in Peyton Reed, which not a lot of people thought much about especially after you know the original director of ant-man was supposed to be edgar wright and so it wasn't going to be a popular choice no matter what they did but he found this guy kevin feige's made a business out of finding perfect directors for his movies that nobody else would have picked yep uh, so it's been great all right what's next all right from odaya al yamani sorry if i'm butchering your name have you seen the new trailer for brad pitt's new film bullet train yes we did we talked about it just bought my ticket for thursday night by the way i'm not gonna lie i am stoked dude i'm so excited for this movie and yes just go back a little bit earlier in today's show you'll see that we did indeed talk about it and you're right it looks awesome odai all right what's next from jedediah elias hey john would you consider doing a pixar movie this week for movie club since turning red will be coming out two days after the next meeting it's not a bad call but i think i especially after watching the batman last night i feel like we should revisit the batman franchise again and so we're going to do the dark knight this week but i think a pixar film should be coming up soon keep your eyes over that and i'm very much looking forward to turning red very, very much looking forward to that. All right, what's next? From Elizabeth Harado, have you read Sam Elliott's comment on Power of the Dog? Yikes. <laughs> I have, but we're not going to talk about it here. I mean, honestly, the, the, the issue is this. Hey, some guy had an opinion about a movie. I, I, I don't really care. You're I, right. It was harsh. It was all that kind of stuff. But 
I, I, it's not, it's not a story to me. You know what I mean? But 1883 rules, and he rules in it. Oh my God, he's so good in 1883, so damn good. Uh, but yeah, again, it's a story of a guy has an opinion about a movie that he's not connected to in any way. Yeah. yeah he did a- say that the director is a brilliant director and that he loves her previous work. He just wasn't a fan of this particular yeah. movie. So yeah, there's that. It didn't come across as harsh, sure. But again, it's a guy who had an opinion about a movie that he's not connected to. So, I mean, it's it's different too. Like I think when an actor talks about because when a director starts bashing on other movies, you're literally bashing on the work of another director. I think I don't think that's true of actors. I think an actor can is a little bit more separate because the movie is the child of the director. So I think it's a little bit more. And I don't like when directors bash on the work of other directors. Just don't make a comment about it. But this, again, I think it's just a guy making a comment about a movie he wasn't connected to. All right, what's next? All right, from Andy. My Manscaped package arrived. Works pretty well. It's, listen, I'm telling you, it was actually a revelation to me. I, I'd seen Manscaped uh, products and advertising before. I am telling you what, Manscaped works great. Full disclosure, they pay me a lot of money to be a sponsor of this show, but I am telling you, it's great. I love Manscaped. I use the body wash. I, I wear their silk underwear. I love- they have underwear? Yeah. Oh my God, I need to get Tom least, new underwear. I was literally complaining to, to Tom about his underwear yesterday. They sent it to me as a part of the package. Their, their lawnmower is Fabulous, best thing I've ever used. What dude, dude when you are razor? done with that and your gorgeous pink sack is fantastic, I'll tell you, there's nothing better than that. Uh, and and then after you're done, they have like <laughs> lotions and all I'm sorts just of saying. things for the area. It's great. I love Manscaped. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right. What's next? Revit. Game day for me. Oh, Zodiac and Seven are two of my favorite films. My excitement for this movie keeps increasing. And this is Rob. What do you call it? Zodiac Seven and Godfather? Yeah, that's kind of what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what this bat. It's it's amazing. It's I cannot amazing. wait to watch this again. I, I just like the sprawl and scope of it all. Yeah, they did such a good job with that. All right, what's next? All right, from City of Swift, you haven't got an ounce of understanding or emotion in your body. You died the moment you were born, and when your heart finally stops beating, it'll be a mere formality. A dandy and aspic. Again, unfamiliar with it. Rob wow. Proper jello, gentleman in jello. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know it, but I love that quote. Yeah. That is a beautiful quote. I mean, it sounds like it's coming from a fairly heavy conversation. But I don't know. Great. That seems light. That sounds like something you just say to friends over drinks. Listen, when you're dead. That Half of my girlfriends that I had growing up said that to me. <laughs> that could have been a conversation between Alfred and Bruce. All right, what's next? From A. Marcellus, I loved the movie Just You. I loved the movie Just You Guys, just like you guys. I felt like I was reading the Long Halloween, No Man's Land, and playing Arkham Origins and the Telltale series. Yeah. Opening line yes. of the movie again. This doesn't reveal anything about the opening line of the movie. It's October thirty first. I'm like, oh, where's where are they going? Yeah. Well, yeah. Turn out, it has, but still, I thought that was really, really cool, mm-hmm. and that came up, uh, Marcellus. I love that too. All right, what's next? From uh, I always say this name wrong. Guillaume? John Guillaume. Seeing the Batman tonight in IMAX. So excited. Have a great time, man. I hope you love it as much as we did, dude. So sorry, All right. I say your name wrong. Uh, Kara Black again. I love how a part of this story regarding certain characters is inspired by the awesome Telltale Batman game. If you've played the game or know its story, then you know what I'm referring to. Mm. I, I don't think I'm alone in saying when you're when you're done watching this movie, you will recognize because 
Matt Reese has said we draw from several sources for inspiration on this. You, re I recognize five, six, or seven different Batman stories and iterations of Batman that this movie drew from. Absolutely, to create a beautiful cacophony. I mean, I, I just thought it was, I just thought it was great the way they did that. So I think you are absolutely right, Kara. There was stuff there from Telltale Games. There was elements there from Long Halloween. There was definitely. I don't want to say what part specifically, but you'll write there was definitely some no man's land mm -hmm. in there. Absolutely. I mean, it's it just really drew from a lot of the material. All right, what's next? All right. Atif just sends in a chat to support us. So thank, thank you, you. Atif. Uh, Chubbs Esp. Greetings and Mahube. Did I say that right? Jay and Krug coming to you live from Manila and been a fan yes, since... Yes, it's Tagalo. Oh, it is? Nobuhai is from oh, Tagalo, yes. Awesome. I've been a fan since AMC days. I just watched the Batman a few hours ago and it was the best Batman story brought to you, uh, brought to live action in my opinion. It, uh, again, I, I don't want to make these grand pronouncements. And by the way, thank you for writing for Manila. I have, of course, I have married into a Filipino family. Um, but yeah, I mean, it... I just can't imagine you nailing the character of the Batman as well as they just did. Mm. I, I mean, it's, 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 I'm a loss for words. I mean, I'm running out of adjectives here. Anyway, all right. Thanks for sharing that, man. And thanks for writing for Manila, dude. All right, what's next? Cody Hunt. Bruce Wayne is a very, very emo in this film. He's very serious and doesn't smile once. I don't think this portrayal is going to win over Twilight Boy critics. Well, look, That's again, funny. it is... Because of the nature of this, look, no movie has everybody that likes it. Right. It doesn't exist. That movie doesn't exist. Except for movie trailers, a love story, everybody loves that. But aside from that, you're never going to find one. And the nature, quite often with a lot of movies, the things that makes a lot of people like it will be the reason why other people don't in any movie. And I think all the stuff that we're talking about here about the reasons why we adore it so much are going to be the exact reasons why maybe for some it doesn't work. And we respect that's that's great, but yeah, it's it's not going to win over everybody, and that's fine. You don't know you don't need everybody to love it, but damn, it worked for me. I love that he looks really like he's going to join me. the Black Parade. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go, my cam. All right, what's next? All right, from Odai, I meant stoked for the Batman to be clear. I think oh, yeah, we got we you. Know. We got you, man. All right, what's Comic next? Comic Nizer. Also, fun fact, Alabama AMC doesn't have assigned seating, and the line for tickets are the same for concessions. Oh, the madness. No. I what? Hate it. In 2022, th there's just there's simply no excuse for that. That's Alabama. Implement implementing tickets for these is simple. Implementing assigned seating is the simplest thing in the world. It takes no, like you literally grab some, your your buddy's high school daughter can program it for you in an afternoon. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. That is nutty. No excuse for that, man. Mm -hmm. Sorry, you got to put up with that. All right, what's next? Al Renshaw, does the John Campia crew believe that was Druig? Never mind. Nope. Move on. We're sorry. Go, Andy keep going. Newton, it's, <laughs> it all comes down to execution. And man, they delivered. Props to Matt Reeves and the entire cast. The execution was phenomenal. It was uh, just the main thing you got to get is the DNA, and they got it. I yep. mean, this, this, this was just so quintessential Batman. You're absolutely right about that, Andy. It is, it always comes down to execution. You have the best idea in the world. It doesn't matter if you don't make it well. There's no and money they, and ideas. Yeah, thank you. Well said. <laughs> and it's all about the execution of it, and they did it here for sure. All right, what's next? Yes, my Hidalgo, Batman will look so much better in Dolby contrast. Well, I mean, again, with that dual laser projection system, but the IMAX presentation is oh, no slouch. Let me yeah. tell you, it was amazing. All right, what's next? Gary Madigan, 
I, I know you can't say much, but how was the Batman CGI? I'm going to tell you this. I had a very hard time struggling with understanding when CGI was being employed and when it wasn't. Mm. There was one moment, one moment that I went, CGI. Yeah. And this doesn't give you anything about the movie, but it's a scene where Catwoman descends down something and, and lands on the ground below. I'm like, well, that was CGI. But seriously, other than that, I am hard pressed to tell you what shots were done digitally oh. and what shots were very yeah it's very seamless mm -hmm. yeah done excellent job it's going to get nominated for the academy award for best visual effects next year for sure no doubt all right what's next uh cody hunt they gonna put you in for assaulting an officer count me in for three love it i don't know what that's from was that from last night yep i i missed that was that when they were in the police yep. station mm -hmm. all right no more details thanks for that man all right next up all right film code got imax tickets for four bat for Batman tonight at the only theater 90 minutes away. Dude, where do you live? Uh, well, it's an IMAX theater. That's mm. right. Because last night's presentations were only in IMAX theaters. Yeah. So you had to be in one of them. Dude, I, I already know that the drive was worth it. I hope it was worth it to you, man. And good for you for that dedication, my friend. All right, what's next? Uh, from Kevin Joyce. General thoughts on the score and its use? We were talking about this a little bit earlier, Kevin. Brilliant. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Incredible score. All right, what's next? Revan, I was looking at the director of Paddington's IMDb page and saw he's directing a Wonka prequel movie. This seems to suit his sensibilities well. Thoughts? Uh, we've had some difference of opinion over this. I, I think a Wonka prequel could be interesting. I, I'm mm -hmm. actually down for it, and I, I'm all for them taking a shot because there is an interesting story be behind that. Despite the fact that generally I don't like prequels, I like stories to move forward. Rob, where are you thinking on that right now? On this one, I... I like Willy Wonka as a fully formed being. He's like this judge. He, he's like he's like God. He's he he shows up and he judges you. And I don't I don't. I mean, look, it could be good. And I love the Paddington movies, so I hope it's good. But right. I don't think we need it. What's next? All right, from James Saunders. What does Black Panther use for protection? What condoms? That's not bad. That's not bad. I, I would buy some condoms. And that would be the slogan, Wakandam's forever. <laughs> Guaranteed to not break. <laughs> adamantium, or uh, vibranium, I should say, not yeah. adamantium. Vibranium condoms, there you go. Or too big for you. <laughs> Wakandam's forever. I Moving like on. What's next question? Hey, Marcellus, the runtime didn't bother me, but I understand what you meant. I felt that Reeves focused a bit too much on a certain character and wrapped up their arc in one movie. Um, yes and no. I think, look, this movie is meant to, you can't always think in terms of franchise. You got to tell your story within the terms of its own story. And if one character's arc is supposed to do a certain thing, you don't just for the sake of it, drag it out for no reason. So I'm gonna disagree with you on that, but I can see where you're coming from. Any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You, you, what are you gonna have a rogues gallery show up four movies down the line? Right. I mean, then Batman would never, you know, you have to wrap up some stories. All right, what's next? All right, from Anish. Thoughts on Ben Mendelsohn? I thought Bloodline was a decent show, but worth it alone to see Ben Mendelsohn put on a masterclass performance. I also enjoyed him in The Outsider. Oh, both of these shows are wonderful and he's incredible. I have no idea what we're talking about. Oh, okay, so Ben Mendelsohn. Are we talking about Cyrano? 
No, 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 no. He um he plays the Skrull in Captain Marvel. Yeah. Jack Mendelson. Um, the Outsider are is that the the Stephen King out? Is a Stephen King one, which is so so good. And oh, so wonderful. Just that. asking in general. Yeah, thoughts. Like, oh, yeah. I thought he was like yeah. thoughts on Ben Mendelson. Well, Ben Mendelson isn't in the Batman. Yeah. Okay, just in general. In general. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. he's great. He's so, so good. See that gambling movie he did. Um, was that with Ryan Reynolds? Yes, the yeah. one he did with Ryan That's Reynolds. That's Mississippi. I think it's like Mississippi something. Something along something? those lines. He was, I liked it. He oh, was really so good in that. He was great as Krennic. By the yeah. way, I loved him as the bad guy in Ready Player One. Oh, yeah. Uh, he oh, was I great. I thought he was great in that. I love Ben Mendelsohn, Anish. All right, what's next? Uh, the Man with the Master Plan sending in an almost $20 super chat. Thank you, Man with the Master Plan. Appreciate that, man. The Batman is on par with The Dark Knight, in my opinion. It's better than Batman Begins as an origin story. I missed five minutes in the in the net thinking there would be trailers, but this gives me an excuse to go again. Any room left in Friday? Uh, no, sorry. Yeah, Friday's already booked up uh, for our fan screening of that. Um, I would say this. I would not call the Batman an origin story. I think it's very definitively and intentionally not an origin yeah, story. Yeah, I agree. It's the first movie, but it's they very intentionally skipped the origin story. Which I thought was great. It was a really good decision for this movie, I think. But you, what so you happened guys to his parents? I saw that uh, somebody posted a meme that on on the internet. Well, how are we supposed to know how what happened to his what parents? Kind of what kind of jewelry did Martha up? like to wear? They yeah. went out for cigarettes one day, and, <laughs> and they, they just never, never came, came back. back. Answer mystery solved. All right, what's next? Kenny Hunter, John, would you consider what would you consider as a good or bad fan service in a film? Well, look, I I, I kind of laid it out pretty clear i think fan service is like when you just drop in something in a movie to get a pop right and by a pop i mean it's like a a, a random yeah from the audience right when you do it and the the cameo fan service whatever you're using as fan service is a part of the story and it enhances or serves a function to, pr to promote and push the story forward that's great a great example of that would be the two spider-men that actually became an integral part of the narrative and the story. It's a great it, example. Right? And this isn't going to be popular for me to say, but Daniel Cox's appearance in Spider-Man No Way Home was bad fan service. That could have been any lawyer in the world. There was no reason why Daniel Cox's... Uh, no, that, Matt, Charlie, Charlie Cox? Cox? Charlie Cox. Charlie Cox? Daniel Cox? Yeah, yeah, you're thinking Daniel Craig. Sorry. Charlie Cox. Thank Charlie you. Cox is Daredevil. It's me and Zoe Saldana and Zoe Kravitz. From, from, uh, from Stardust. Sorry, Charlie Cox. There's There was no purpose, function, or reason that Matt Murdock was there, nor was there any implications of the story moving forward. If you had taken him out of that scene entirely, it doesn't change the movie at all. And well. So, it, it doesn't. It doesn't I know, but, but it also establishes the fact that Matt Murdock is really the only guy that Could've was going to defend Spider-Man, though. With the money of Stark Industries, I found that very hard to believe. You had Happy Gil Happy Gilmore. Uh, <laughs> you had you had Hap sitting there with access to all the money in the world and the best law firms and all that kind of stuff. I don't buy that the only lawyer they could get was some cheap oh, and think, expensive guy. I think I, I don't he buy came out as out of court. I think he showed up to do some pro bono work for mm, Peter Parker. Like, Again, listen to me, I'm an avocado at law. Let me do that, it. That makes no sense to the narrative. Now, of course, it, did I get a big of his kick? Listen, there was only one reason he was there. We're going to get a pop if we put Daredevil in the shot. And yeah, that was but, it. But I, I do think it made sense, especially from a comic book standpoint, 
I mean, I think it. But this isn't the comic book. No, I know. But it, it, if the character of Dare, Daredevil, he, it's something he would do. It's something that Matt Murdock would do. But and it, it didn't make sense for the context of the story at that moment. Oh. And that's my thing. If it's something that actually contributes to the story, I'm good with it. If not, it's empty calories. It's it's a choco frosted sugar bomb. Like it, it'll taste delicious, but it really has no nutritional value. And that appearance didn't add anything to the movie. It didn't do anything or have any implications in the movie moving forward. But it added to my joy. Yeah, I, I would know. say that. Not taking yeah. anything away from that. I think that, yeah, you'll get your cheap pop. And I did it. I gave it so a cheap I don't pop think too. it was cheap, though. I, uh, I think it. it was. All right. Anyway, what's next? All right. From Mr. 47. The Batman was everything I hoped it would be. A detective mystery, psychological thriller with action and horror sprinkled throughout. Most comic accurate portrayal of Batman we've seen yet. Loved it. I, and that's the key look. Obviously, there have been so many iterations of Batman. There is no one true comic accurate interpretation of Batman you can have. So I, I just concede that point right away. There's a lot of different iterations of Batman on screen, on the page that you could do, and you can call that comic book accurate if you want. For me, and the, the, the Batman stories that I gravitate to, and of course, my real first exposure to Batman, like seriously, was as a, as a teenager reading The Dark Knight Returns. For me, it was the true Batman of the comic book pages coming to life. For me. You know, it could be different for different people, though. You know what I liked about this movie, though? Every other Batman movie assumes that the audience is going to immediately, immediately embrace Batman because he's the hero of the story, and we all just immediately love Batman. This movie earned the audience because at first, Batman was not... He was off-putting, and he was not somebody we understood. But by the end of this movie, the Batman, like with the people of Gotham... He's earned our admiration. And I thought that was an interesting way to go. All right. We are we are we still have more to go, but we're gonna start flying through these because we are already over time. So we're gonna keep going here. What's next? All right, Danito, the Batman probably would have worked better as a series. Completely a thousand percent disagree with you on that. No mm. absolutely one hundred percent disagree. What's next? Michael Serta, I don't get people that aren't gonna see Batman because Pattinson was in Twilight. I wonder if these are the same people that don't like pulp fiction because Travolta was in Grace prior. Just my humble opinion. Or look who's talking too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, but in those people's defense, I've said this before, I'll say it again. If your only time that you ever ate a cherry tomato you bit into it and it was a disgusting cherry tomato, it would be understandable that moving forward you would have, you'd be hesitant to have stuff with cherry tomatoes on it. Now, if you had then proceeded after having that experience with a bad cherry tomato and had five or six other dishes and found out, oh, cherry tomatoes can actually be okay, then you might accept that cherry tomato dish later. For people whose only exposure to Robert Pattinson was Twilight Boy, if that was your only exposure to him and it totally didn't work for you and you hated it and you hated his portrayal in it and you hated him in it and you hated what he did in it and that was your only exposure and you never watched all of his other brilliant work, I get it that you'd be adverse to him as Batman. I would just say then go back and start watching the other stuff so you'll see he's a brilliant can, choice. Can but I not only, well, I'm, wait, I'm so but confused. He by was good as Edward Cullen. But That's what I don't get. But also, according to who? But but also here. To to a lot of people, he was terrible as Edward Cullen. To a lot of was people, was that his fault or was it the movie uh, he was in? Uh, wait, those movies were huge hits. Of course, who, they were. who didn't like Robert Pattinson? I mean. 
the people that are complaining about him being Twilight Boy were not even the audience for Twilight. I agree. I, mean, I agree. It's so but, weird. But that was their experience. Their experience was they hated that, even though it wasn't meant for them in the first place. I don't think they saw the movies, frankly. I don't. Uh, the people I that are the most part, yeah. probably not. They, the probably people that are not. telling me they didn't like Robert Pattinson as Twilight, I'm like, you never watched Twilight. Yeah. You're saying it because you think it's a girls' franchise with sparkly vampires. And I think for a it's, lot of people, that's true. It's yeah. so frustrating to me because I'm hearing this from fan stories. I'm like, dude. You are complaining about an actor who is in a franchise that you don't like by its very existence that you didn't even see. Yeah. And it, it's like complaining that somebody who's in Spy Kids and not liking them because, oh, I'm not going to go see the guy in Spy yeah. Kids playing my favorite baseball star. In, I can't buy this girl being in Repo the Genetic Opera because she was in Spy Kids. I, I, yeah, I, it, <laughs> but not only so that, weird. but why would you? But it, but it doesn't make sense for someone to say, I'm not going to see Batman, which is this established franchise that also, like, because of this one particular actor because of one movie that they did what 15 years ago that just well, said four that, movies whatever like a franchise excuse me that they did that so long ago that they wouldn't go see i don't think that if anyone who says i'm not going to see this because it's starring robert pattinson i don't think that they would be willing that they would see it anyway uh, people are saying they didn't not only are people saying that they didn't like the Twilight movies. They're also saying that well I've never seen anything else he was in. Well that's that's it's the so giveaway. weird and, and that's why I'm saying like Okay, I get it. If you're somebody who, like, you have an allergic reaction to even the mention of the word Twilight, and you never bothered to enrich yourself by watching this incredible body of work that Robert Pattinson has done since, then I get it that you don't think this is going to be for you. But I can instantly tell. I've been able to tell for the last year when somebody hasn't, when they say, I don't like the idea of Robert Pattinson as Batman. Oh, I can automatically assume about you even though assuming makes an ass out of you and you, I can say I can automatically assume about you that you did not see High Life and you did not see Good Time. And the, you did Rover, not see the, light. the Rover, the Lighthouse. That I mean, watch the Lighthouse. You can just tell. They never saw him. Because if you had, I think there's a very high probability, not guarantee, I think there's a very high probability you might feel a little bit more favorably about the idea of this guy being Batman. Anyway, let's keep yeah, going. Sorry. What's next? All right. From Harbs K, did you see the Oscars fan favorite nominees? Depp Snyder and Camila Cabello fans are about to serve Oscars up with a nice deserving WTF. I don't I care. Seen this. I, I no, know. I didn't. I didn't see it and I don't care. Uh, although I thought I just read on a on, from Variety that they said the the what what was it? The uh, Snyder thing is not eligible. Because it didn't play theatrically. Because it didn't, yeah, it didn't, well, it, it was just considered a, a long, extended, alternate version of whatever, whatever by the rules were. Mm -hmm. But no, I haven't seen it, don't really care about it, Harps, to be honest with you. All right, what's next? Chris Miner, biggest guilty pleasure movie? Mine is Malibu's Most Wanted with Jamie Kennedy. I don't know why, <laughs> but that movie is hilarious, though it doesn't age. Well, everybody knows what my biggest guilty pleasure movie is. Bum, 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 bada, bum, bum. It's, it's cool as ice. Vanilla Ice is cool as ice is the greatest bad movie of all time. It is, I, I've, I've never had a bad movie that entertains me so much as Vanilla Ice is Cool as Ice. Have you guys ever watched it? You and Tom? No. You, we got to get some. You got to watch She's it. No, but you can't watch it alone. You got to get me and maybe a couple other friends sit down one night and watch Vanilla Ice is Cool oh, as Ice. It'll be the best no. night you've had this year. And that includes the arrival of your child. It'll be the wow. best night you have this year. Well, that was a really, that was, I, I, that was a crazy night. There's a great Michael M. Black joke, I believe it is, and it's, there is no guilty pleasure. The only guilty pleasure is murder. <laughs> All right? If you like a movie, you like a movie, you like right? like a movie. All right, what's next? All right. 
Hut359, sorry for the nerdy deep dive yesterday, Chris. That's okay. Thought I, uh, though I thought you did a great cold read. I promise no more random Huddy's uh, super chats. Thank you. My I Star Wars, he, he put in some uh, hoodies at the beginning of his super chat oh, that I okay. stumbled through because I'm not, I'm not versed in it. That's all, all right. right. What's the, thanks for the follow-up, Hut. All right, what's next? Casey Mack, one of two. Saw the Batman last night, and let me just say, I'm still undecided if it's better than The Dark Knight, but it is at least in my top two when it comes to Batman movies. Robert Pattinson was great. Paul Dano was menacing and psychotic, and I can't believe, I can't wait to see more of Colin Farrell's Penguin in that HBO series because he killed it as well. And again, like we were talking again before we went to go see it. I said, look, I don't need this to be if somebody asked me, John, do you think it's going to be as good as The Dark Knight? I don't need it to be as good as The Dark Knight. I just want a good movie. Just deliver me your own unique good movie. And and they did. And if it's good enough to get into the conversation about should we start comparing it to The Dark Knight? Should we start comparing it to Man of Steel? Should we start comparing? That's gravy. That's all bonus. And I will once once I see it again and I, I have a little bit of room to breathe. But dude, it was so good. So good. All right. So what's next? All right. From uh, DAL, just got back from seeing The Batman. What a movie. I loved it. And we'll go back to see it a second time. I'm probably going to see it three or four times, even at three hour runtime. And I know I'll be able to get Ray to come with me for the third and fourth viewings, but I am <laughs> definitely going to go see it multiple times, Dal. All right. What's next? All right. From Yasmer, uh, glad for the funeral release, funeral scene release. Easy pee break. Yeah. So yeah. because they <laughs> released it online, so you already knew that scene. So you could tell, ah, that's, and that's a good thing. Just watch the funeral scene online first. So Great. you know when the funeral scene starts in the movie? That's pee that's time. All right, beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, guys. That's Thank time you. to go. And it's right around the middle of the movie, too, I think. All right, what's next? Andy, one of two. Peacemaker versus Black Adam. Idea, Black Adam. Next time Eagly flies in the sky, don't go to it. The dove is dead. Bury it. Consider this mercy. Eh. Peacemaker, <laughs> tell me, do you really want to, do you really want to, do you really want to taste it? Black Adam flies away. Peacemaker. What's going up must come down. Uh, not your best one, Andy. <laughs> not going to lie to you, buddy. Not your best one. Although I do want to hear that opening theme song again. All right, what's next? Hey, Marcellus, Reeves didn't make a Batman film. He did a documentary. He flew <laughs> to Gotham City, took us, took out his camera, and followed Batman around. The, I don't know how you can make a more realistic feeling comic book movie. That's, that's no, literally that, it, a comic book It was book peak verisimilitude. Yeah. And again, to me... I, you know, when you're a kid, like, here's the thing. It's not as a kid. Men. Men don't look at Batman as fantasy. They look at Batman as a legitimate career option. That's that's what we do. And the more verisimilitude they bring to it, you're like, yeah, I can do that. I'll, I'll find, you know. It's true. I mean, that's, it's, it's a legitimate career option. You know what? I, I think that I would have argued that with you, but... Um, so I have Tom does it, doesn't he? Tom no, totally it's not even does that. It. I have made great strides to bring my son into the into a world where it's like I'm not gonna program you for anything. I I mean, his room. You walk into the nursery. It could be a boys' room, a girls' room. It's not like blue pink. His wardrobe is very like neutral. Everything is neutral. His library collections. Everything is very neutral. And I'll be damned if I didn't open the first book that was on the top of the stack that his that Tom's mom sent us. And it was a book about a little blue truck. And when that little fucker saw that truck, it was like he saw God for the first time. He started cooing <laughs> and laughing. And I was like, you're a little boy doing little. Boy. And all my boy mom friends were like, they just they they do a thing. And I'm like, I didn't. And, and I don't have a problem with it. It's not like I, I, it's great. It's just like. 
How do you, as a three and a half month old boy who doesn't know that you're supposed to like trucks, how do you start cooing when you see a truck in a book? But so I, I'm not going to argue that with you. If that's a dude thing, you know what? I, I, it's I, biology. I, I biology. I acquiesce. <laughs> All right, man. Trucks are biologically wired into us along with trains and airplanes. Logan, I believe it now. I fully believe and it. Barbecues. Logan spent a lot of his childhood and, letting spiders bite him, hoping that he would become Spider-Man. And sharks. Yeah. And sharks. All right, what's next? And dinosaurs. All right, from... J uh, Stephen J. Morbius trailer name drops Venom, yet we see Keaton as Tombs. What universe is Morbius in, and could Keaton play a variant Tombs? Number one, we don't know who he's playing. Right. I mean, I mean, we all have our strong suspicion who he's playing, but we don't know who he's playing. Look, what universe this takes in is the big question. It's it's a massive question because Venom only spent a moment in Spider-Man's universe. Now he's back there, yet there's Spider-Man posters on the wall. I mean, to, honestly, to me, from a pure curiosity point of view, the question of where does this Morbius movie take place is the number one question I have. And they'll probably address it in the first five minutes of the movie. But I'm just saying that is the number one billion dollar question there, Stephen. And honestly, I have no guess right now. We will find out. All right, what's next? All right, from Miss ML Willa. Watched last night in New Zealand. Nice. Been a fan Aww. since Twilight. Thought Rob did an amazing job. Gordon and Penguin got a lot of laughs in the cinema. Ours too. Oh, kia ora. Oh, oh yeah, everybody, everybody in our cinema, like almost every line that Oz said, people were laughing. Oh yeah. He is great. And you know, you knew he was gonna be great from that scene when he's in the car going, I got you, I got you. I was like, that's totally his personality in the movie. And I, again, for me, I just came out of the theater dying to see this this Penguin yeah. show. Cannot wait. All right, what's next? All right, from Film Code, John, is there a film from the past five years that you would do a movie club on? I'm sure there is. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not restricting it to it has to be a minimum. I mean, I'd say it has to be at least a year old. But all we're saying is revisiting our favorite movies in the last 25 years. So it can be any time in that. So yeah, I'm sure there absolutely are. I'm sure there absolutely is. I can't remember when did Deadpool come out. I'm sure I'll talk about Deadpool at some point. But uh, absolutely yes. All right, what's next? Uh, this is Ismael Montoya. Non-spoiler. I love the Batman. I think the slow tempo of the film made me appreciate the details of it. If it would have been any shorter, and then there's nope, no part two. He never got sorry. it in. He didn't get it in time. Um, yeah, by the way, I don't find the movie to be that slow of a burn. Mm -mm. To, to be quite frank with you, I found a very decent cadence to this movie. Yeah, me too. I, I, almost everybody else says it's a slow burn, and that's not a bad thing. But so I was expecting a really good, rich, slow burn. It's like, I think this thing is moving at a pretty right. good clip. I, mean, I, I feel I, we were off too. to the races. I mean, it is three hours, but But still. it doesn't It doesn't feel like three hours, though. It I really agree. doesn't. I agree. All right, what's next? All right, from Noah East. The Batman is the Batman movie I've waited my entire life for. Yeah. An artful cinematic masterpiece. Easily surpasses The Dark Knight. You see, that's, uh, like, same terms, <laughs> like, easily surpass. I, I, that I don't, again, I think there's a little bit of recency bias, yeah. bias in that, which is, I'm susceptible to that, too. That's why I'm going to give it a beat. But it's damn good. It's a different animal. Very, very different animal. All right, what's next? Andy Newton, let's talk about my favorite thing about the Batman. Sound design and music so choices. So good. Wow, wow, wow. That's why it is important to see it in a theater. Obsessed with the chase scene, I need this Batmobile. And talking about sound design and music, the Batmobile uh. is such a great example of both. First, the sound design, which we already talked about, 
But then those musical note hits that we've heard in all the trailers that work so well. And every time those musical notes hits, that boom, like I'm like, yep, yep, the hair on my arm stands up. Dude. I get excited. It's going to be really nice to see them win and to be able to watch the sound designers accept their Academy <laughs> Award in real time live. You're going to see them win either way. All right, what's next? All right, now we just have a lot of support from the Batman sending in a $50 super chat. Oh, Twice. my goodness. Twice. Oh, the Batman likes what we're saying about Thanks him. That's the right. Batman. Wayne's Thanks a the little Batman. bit biased. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but thank he, you he got Batman his residual check, apparently. <laughs> thank you. So, yeah, he's already getting his residual checks for the movie. Thank you, the Batman. Appreciate that, We've man. We've got more support from Josh, from Bush, Bush and Ryu Cat, from Ray Ora. Why are you sending, sending your work money in? <laughs> sending what you doing in the, in the living room? Ray Ora. And, guy, and again, thank you, uh, the Batman, for supporting our channel on that level, dude. And, guys, that'll do it. For today's episode of The John Campy Show, thank you so much for being here, making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with The John Campy Show, thank you guys so very, very much for your support. want to thank everybody sitting around the table with me from Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Aaron Cummings, who has disappeared, hey. and Joey Bishop. Oh, Yay. my God, Joey's so adorable. And Chris Carr. That'll do it for us, guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.